0: What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. It's finally here, the recap of teen, high school, collegiate, and junior nationals. Now, if the preview was hard, the recap was probably more difficult. 1,800-person meets, meaning that there's a lot of lifters, a lot of sessions, a lot of um, days that we had to keep track of, and... Some people might slip through the cracks, who knows, and we tried to do it the best way so everyone could get their um, spotlight so we can talk about um, the battles that took place, the storylines that took place. We feel like we did a good job, but, you know, again, this is a really difficult podcast to do because of how big Collegiate Nationals is and also when you include teen and high school on top of that. So we actually started with teen and juniors first. Um, talk about that and then we go into the days of collegiate nationals as well. So we go days and then we uh, cover the big moments of all three sessions. Um, you know, it was a long week for two white lights, uh, hours and hours of commentary. We saw thousands of lifters compete. Um, it was... It was something, but it was an incredible experience, and we do talk about that as well, just the experience and how much, yeah, I think the atmosphere actually at collegiate nationals is better than raw nationals in a lot of way. Um, we actually talk about a lifting too towards the tail end of it, talk uh, a little bit more about the team standings towards the end as well. Um, two hour episode, so you might want to break this up, it's going to be up for a while, actually it's going to be up forever because it's a podcast, so hope you guys enjoy it, sorry for delay. A lot of stuff happened and also just a long, long weeks for two white lights. But before we get into our recap of teen and junior nationals and collegiate High School, got to talk to you guys about Left Lefflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to LeftLarBros.com and get the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport. If you don't believe me, go on their Instagram page right now and check out what they are dropping. Everything they are dropping is money they're gonna make you look good from head to toe so they got the hats they got some beanies or they actually my favorite are the dad hats i'm actually currently wearing one right now they got a whole bunch of t-shirts crew necks uh tank tops they got some joggers got some shorts and they got the socks they'll make you look good on the platform off the platform in the gym, outside the gym, they got you covered everywhere. And also, they got you covered in your wallets. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. The Leflora Bros family is growing, having great athletes. One of our athletes just got on to the world's team. Congratulations, Enrique Lugo. Tons of pro lifters, but also lots of affiliates joining Leflora Bros, too. It is a fantastic company that gives back to the sport of powerlifting, and they make powerlifters look amazing. The compties that they just dropped are phenomenal everything that they drop is money i am so glad to be part of left law bro's family and you should definitely get some merchandise so you can be part of left law bro's family as well use that promo code to wl15 the best powerlifting promo code in the sport also go to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear i wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform because it is the best that's why it's quality And also, it's affordable as well. You're not just paying for the label. You're not just paying for the name brand. You're paying for the quality as well. And they will help you perform well on the platform and in the gym because. It's not overly priced. And also, it looks great and feels great. The navy blue drop is beautiful. It looks fantastic. I'm wearing that on the platform. I have worn it on the platform at the Arnold. I'm wearing all their stuff in the gym. I don't really deviate from it either. So use that promo code Angelo10 when you go to Lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. Get yourself some knee sleeves, some wrist straps, a singlet, a belt. Use that promo code Angelo10 to save yourself some money on already affordable products also powerlifters eat healthier you gotta eat healthier sometimes some of you just don't you eat too many candy too much candy before the gym sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so you need something to actually eat macro-friendly meals that have vitamins and vegetables in it go to freshly.com, use promo code Ange aff that's ang a-F-F-A-N-G-A-F-F, to save yourself some money on Freshly Meals. They pre-made meals. They ship all over the nation. And they also are uh, a macro-friendly, have high-carb meals, high-protein meals. That's important for power lifters. I know it is. I am one. So make sure you use that promo code, save yourself some money, eat healthier, optimize your performance with Freshly. They also taste fantastic on top of that. Subscribe to Two White Lights on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review as well. Make it funny, the review, but make sure it's five stars. Don't be like the one guy who rated as one star and said the Heather Conner episode was fantastic. The one-star review is actually hurt, you know, and it sounds like the dude liked the show. So leave a five-star rating, leave a review also on Spotify. Follow us there on Well and leave a five-star rating on Spotify and subscribe on um, TwoWhiteLights.com as well. And without further ado, here is two white lights Oh baby I like it yeah, baby I like it baby I like it Oh baby I like it Give me, yeah.
1: Give me the might take away on the natural cause for yard. year from the home of the Dodge of Brooklyn Squad, who paid the zone score.
0: And as promised, we have our long awaited recap of Teen, High School, Collegiate, and Junior Nationals. How are you, Steve?
1: I'm doing good.
0: Okay. It doesn't sound all right. I'm already uncomfortable. <laughs> remember we're starting with teens. So some of them are 15s. Oh. Yeah. Okay, relax, yeah. Relax, man. I got to go to my dad. <laughs> yeah. Um how um, are
1: you really though? Yeah, I'm doing good, but like I think you're in agreement this this is going to be a doozy. This one this one's going to I don't even know if I remember half of this.
0: No. Um, we
1: we were there commentating, and I, I think I blacked out. I think I blacked out about midway through the week.
0: Yeah, I, I, there's um, I think with the sleep deprivation and the amount of monitors we looked at, and the amount of lifters and lifts we saw, some things is, are a complete block in my memory. And I, I you sent me the Google spreadsheet of the lifters and. Who compete on what days? I'm like, I don't recall any of this, and it's not, it's, it's not to the lifters because it was an incredible meet to commentate and it was an incredible meet to, uh, to go to, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more uh, shortly, but 1,800 lifters, the biggest meets as far as numbers go in powerlifting history, and it all happened in one week, and I at least commentated, I'm gonna have to say like 1,300. If I'm going to give a rough rough estimate, and that's a lot. That's 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 hitting my PR and commentary by like a cool thousand within a week span. Um, I think the most I've ever commented was like 200 within a weekend. So commentating a thousand, three hundred lifters uh, upon that many days. Um, yeah, I just I and I can't go back to the live stream because a lot of it was taken down because <laughs> of copyright.
1: Yeah. Well, even if we could go back to the live stream, we don't have four days to re rewatch all of them.
0: Yeah. Like, when hours? we
1: tried to go back and watch PA Nationals, that was pretty easy. It was, yeah. like, 30 lifters. How many hours? Um, a little bit harder to rewatch 1,800 lifters.
0: How many hours do you think we commentated for? Or at least me. I got to think, because sessions were, like, three hours each, if that, maybe four. And then I did at least two sessions a day. Um... Yeah, that was that was a lot of commentary uh just in that so Yeah. Uh that was I mean, we could talk about just the week in general of how insane it was. Two sessions a day, full yeah. four full uh a lot of them were two flights, four platforms going at once. We were commentating all the action. We had some help too. um you know, Mike Mike uh Mikey Gold was was big for us. And uh, Megan Himes as well with uh, with you. Can you commentate? I think one second with you. Two, two, okay, two yep, seconds, we got two.
1: Yeah, huge help there, but yeah, I mean, neither of us have been the collegiate nationals, and it was awesome. I mean, yep. it was it was uh, it definitely had a different atmosphere because we're in Lombard. It was this for those who were at 2019 Raw Nats. It was the same setup, except the warm-up room was not as good. There was not as many racks, and that warm-up room was a nightmare. I don't think you had to be back there to coach. But when I did that Sunday night, that was one of the worst warm-up rooms I've ever been in because there was way too many people and way few racks, and it was a nightmare. That's partially because of not enough room and racks. It's also partially because on the collegiate scene, people don't follow that if you're on Platform 1, you warm up on Platform 1 racks with people in your flight. The collegiate scene, they're warming up as teams, and so everything is everywhere like you've got a 60 kilo female in flight 2 warming up with a 70 kilo male in flight 1 oh, it was just oh god it was nuts but yeah. but L-piece. that was that was not fun but i mean the atmosphere of that meets incredible though because especially especially towards the end of the week a lot of those people had already competed but they're all sitting around uh with their teams cheering on i mean the air horns and the vuvuzelas and the i don't even know what was going on yep um rock gave us a name yeah, for one the, of them
0: Brock, here, yeah, yeah, from, uh, University of Hawaii. He gave us the name of one of them, and I already mm-hmm. forgot because my memory, uh, is kind of melted from that week, and I agree with you. Um, I, yeah, the warm-up room, I, cause we had a little bit of, like, kind of backstage access, so, um, with commentary, we got to, like, walk past the warm-up room, and I just walked right fucking past it. It's like, nope. Not saying hi to anyone in here. There was one, there was one or two days where I say hi to people, but on the collegiate days, I'm like, this is, a Royal rumble of lifters. And I didn't know the aspect where they're training in teams. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. And it sounds like it was an absolute nightmare. And it seems like it truly, if you were living through, it was one, um, which I mean, I I don't know how you can organize that very well. It's just a difficult thing to do with that many lifters and how teams warm up together. I don't know if there's a warm-up room that's created, that's going to, um, be able to handle all that. Um, and I will definitely echo the atmosphere. I say, like, that atmosphere is better than Nationals in a lot of way because this is a unique competition. It truly is a team competition when you get into the collegiate side. I mean, powerlifting is an individual sport, but this is the only time I think in powerlifting, no matter what federation, no matter what division, that people are competing in teams and they're rooting for their teammates. That was awesome. Um, and I actually like that atmosphere a lot more than um, Raw Nationals, which is one of the uh you know one of the staple meats of powerlifting not just in the USAPL but in all of powerlifting. Um USAPL Raw Nationals has a crazy atmosphere because so many of the lifters stick around and watch that it creates a big crowd, it be, creates a great community. This was better than that. And I was really happy I got to see that. And you know, it makes me long for the days. Like and, you know, been great. Go back in the time machine. When I was in college and like, they would have been pretty sweet to have a collegiate powerlifting team, but I can only look back, I can only look back on that and just like, in with like wishful thinking. Looking at it in person was amazing. Like all the teams were so cool. The Raging Cajuns were also Louisiana Lafayette, uh, UTSA, Midland, Ohio State, University of Tennessee, Houston, uh, Texas A&M. North. Hawaii, northeastern, northeastern. friends, they, university. Yeah, they, have- they were all so fucking cool. I love that. I I I was thinking about it just the entire week. Like, it looks so cool to lift in a powerlifting team setting. It's cool to compete for your team as well. It's cool to cheer your teammates on. I want that. I wanted that so fucking bad. Now I can't because I'm old as shit and I can't be in college anymore. <laughs> but I, I. Well, I mean, I, I a, a good way to awesome.
1: A good way to frame it, if you go on YouTube, the most watched live stream is the junior session. That – uh the spectators were kind of empty for that session.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. It was – The random random collegiate sessions, random ones that did have barely any live stream views were packed to the back mm-hmm. with spectators. Because I think, too, you got the teams. Everyone's watching their teammates and cheering them on. And then, too, I think you're just having a lot of tra- tra- uh, parents travel out. It's kind of that age where the parents are going to travel oh, yeah. and make sure to watch – yeah, the spectator, the spectatorship of collegiate nationals, what felt like it was prime time every session.
0: Mm-hmm. No, yeah, for sure, it was a high energy. You hear the crowd, you heard them make noise. Gina was riling up too. It was a cool atmosphere. I mean, I mean, and I'm not even mentioning all the teams too. Like that's the you know, you had University of Texas there, uh McKendry, obviously. I mean, you have a te- uh, close affiliation with that. It was a, it was a. Um, a real treat to watch uh, that aspect of it, and yeah, I um, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the next one. I mean, barring if we can get <laughs> more commentators um, to act, so I can actually watch it live. We say this, I didn't watch one live lift or like one like one live session. I I caught a few live like lifts, but not a live session for all of um for all of uh, collegiate nationals.
1: Yeah, I think I had one session where I could have, and that was the session I was like, I, I'd rather eat. I haven't ate in like two yeah. days. I just drank vegan protein shakes from the little hotel lobby, so I was like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat instead of watching powerlifting for another yeah. four hours.
0: Guys, this is why this meat recap has taken so long. We've been sleep deprived for like two weeks, and also the dieting, the food was so bad. Like, I didn't eat a whole lot of food, like in regular settings. I just had to eat them. In my car and then also while we were commentating. So if you hear little like, like pauses in between us, it's because we were just like getting a bite in from Pertillo's and then going back to commentate and taking another bite for Pertillo's and going back and commentating. It was a rough week. Will I do it again? Absolutely. Uh, because I had a blast. And, um, what seems like 19 years ago, um, it started with teen nationals which this is, I guess, we'll have, we'll start this, with Teen Nationals, which is the very first day. It was like two weeks ago. <laughs> and really, it started off with an incredible bang. Those Teen Lifters are legit. There was some real standout performers there, and there was a lot of energy from them competing. The live stream was really good for that. There was a lot of, um, you know, we got a lot of interactions on Two White Lights because of it. The teens really came to play, and I think the highlight of it um was Joe Bornstein? Joe Bornstein, yeah. even on a 5-for-9 day, real rough meets, was still able to put up a 737 total, which is competitive for a podium spot at Open Nationals or Mega Nationals, and looks like he's doing it.
1: Yeah, he finished with the highest dot score of teens, juniors, collegiates, everyone, and he was a teenager. He beat all of them. If he would have done just if he would have done collegiate like we had jokingly said he should have done, he would have been the best overall collegiate lifter. He, he was the best. Um, but yeah, I mean the sky's the ceiling for him. I do think uh I, I think I've seen him post that eventually he's going to need to go to eighty two and a half.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, kilos definitely is going to be an 82. He,
1: he's kind of I, I I think he's 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 now signed up for Raw Nationals. And I think that's probably good. I, I would be, I, I think this is me saying it, I think likely that's going to be his last 75 meet. And then he's, he might have to go up. He's just, he's just going to be growing too much, but yeah, incredible performance from him in the sense of like, I mean, like I said, it wasn't even a great day. Um He had some hiccups, but still, I mean, that's just how incredibly strong that kid is.
0: Yeah. I think, I I don't know if he has a coach. I think he needs a little bit of guidance there as far as his hitting lifts and, um and executing them. And, uh, Really, though, even if he goes up eighty two and a half, seven thirty seven 737 kilo total is good. It's a solid total, especially in the junior level, which he has a lot of eligibility still. He's 19, so he has a lot of years as a junior. Um, but, you know, he, he could build up that total 82.5 and become, I don't know, like a a, a lucky, um, uh, lucky type lifter. Not in the sense that he's lucky, but Alex Lucko, who's... Who did almost the same thing? Who was just an absolute beast, seventy-five kilo lifter in a teenage level, moves up a weight class. He's now a beast, eighty-two and a half kilo lifter. He was a beast, seventy-four kilo lifter, moved up, beast, eighty-two and a half kilo lifter. He's great on the open level. He's great on the junior level. Decides to compete only in open. Which, of course, that's why I love Lucky because he decides to do that. I think Joe Bornstein's going to be like that, and I think it's it's going to be really interesting to watch his uh progression as a power lifter because. It's yeah, that will I mean, I mean, I would like to see more of hit lifts, obviously, but he's a teenager, right? Like, we can't expect the maturity on the platform to be quite there. And even on that, you know, even on that five for nine day, he's he's up there as far as contenders go in seventy five kilos with open. And think about the names too. Just think about those names: Charles Sipoco, Eric Lapointe. Then you have his nineteen-year-old Deshawn in the mix too. Like those, are, yeah. those are some veteran lifters that that are going to be competing alongside him, and he's up there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, another team lifter who legitimately is competitive in the open, and I believe if they combined everything, everyone's combined, he would have been second overall to Sean Mills in the 110 kilo class. Was Dustin Limerick? Yeah, eight thirty-one kilo total.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and he's a lifter who I just really enjoyed watching his technique and execution of lifts. It looks like he's got an incredible ceiling as well in powerlifting, and I think he's in a weight class that actually he could do that in. You know, like, it's going to be really interesting, the development, just there um, throughout their uh, careers as far as how they keep on the body weight how they lose their body weight and see how they progress from there. But he's got the fucking lifting part figured out really well. I really enjoyed watching his lifts. Um, You know, he took his chances, but, I mean, he obviously could uh, take those chances. I actually think if Joe and him were in battles, you would see more of an 8-for-9, 9-for-9 type meets of them. But they were just going for some huge numbers. Um, Yeah, and Dustin, make no mistake about it, he's a terrific open lifter, and if he decides to go into the juniors, he's probably going to dominate the juniors for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, An incredibly strong guy. Again, I would, we talked about it. I would have loved to see all these people compete head to head. We already had, we're going to get into some head to head battles. We had some great head to head battles, but the crazy thing is it could have been even more competitive. We could have had mm-hmm. such deep, deep classes if all of these things were combined and going right at each other. Um, speaking of someone, I mean, we talked about Joe Borenstein got the best overall dots of anyone, regardless of age or class. Angelina, I might say it wrong. patige Batij, Batij. She was an equip lifter, 67.5 kilo. She had the highest dots of any female equip lifter, and she was a teen. Mm-hmm. Squatted 207.5 as a teenager.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I guess the, like, when I say we start off it with a bang, I was, I was not joking. We start off this competition with the best, like, with, Legit, the best pound for pound lifters there, and some of the best overall lifters there. Um, the teams were insane, insane to watch the entire week or that that entire day. And then, um, you know, we didn't really get to see that like uptick until collegiate nationals, where we saw some of the um, some of the actual juniors compete. It was just ridiculous what we were seeing from you know the age cap of 19 years old, and also. Um, Getting getting a little bit down in um, uh, age here because uh, we have a few people we're going to mention. I, I mentioned you know eighteen nineteen year olds. Um, Elliot Sykes, which I called them Skies the entire live stream. The dude I did not re I was commentating so much, so many platforms, so many people, so many lifts. I did not know he was teen one until after the competition. He is fifteen years old and he totaled five ninety-seven and a half and sixty-seven and a half kilos. Get the fuck out of here.
1: That is ridiculous. Six best six best dots of any teen. And if look, I'm on open powerlifting right now. It's all eighteen and nineteen year olds for the top twenty five, and he's fifteen, and he's 6.
0: Dude, it doesn't make any sense. I didn't believe it until after the competition because I I had no time to look at age, guys. I had no time to look at divisions. I was commentating one platform after the other after the other, and I'm like, this guy's a beast. And I kept on calling him the wrong name. That's how if you, I kept on calling him Skies, which means I definitely didn't know what was, <laughs> and then well, well that was boom. on point for
1: the weekend from boom.
0: you. yeah, boom, there you go. Sky's the limit it it works. His name is now Skies. You were now Elliot Skies, and we can throw that pun in there it will, like i I don't know what the future holds for him, right? You're 15 years old and you're doing that six seven half kilos. Is he going to be the best 90 kilo lifter in the world when he's 19? I don't know. I've never seen a fifteen-year-old this damn good. Have you? Have you seen a fifteen-year-old lifter that's that good? Aside from, I mean, the, maybe may,
1: Ashton Rouska. I was about that's to say
0: it. Ashton Rouska, which I guess, right? If he goes into base, based on that whole trajectory, Ashton turned into yeah. the best ninety-three kilo lifter when he was like twenty-two, and now he's Ashton Rouska, who's a, you know the best pro lifter in the USAPL right now based on points.
1: Yep, a fifteen-year-old out me. I I haven't totaled thirteen seventeen.
0: Good lord! And also, you go on his Instagram. It's like, okay, really? You're also more jacked than everyone else. That's cool. And then, yeah, not fair. Yeah, and then on top of that, we had Donovan Spears, eighty-two and a half kilo lifter, um, coached by Garrett yep. Beer. Saw him. He's a fucking tank. Absolute beast tank lifter, and then, you know, you're talking about how a 15-year-old out totaled you. Well, I was trying to get some bench advice from Donovan Spears because his bench is monstrous for that age, and all of his lifts were, again, just really good, just a person who's figured out lifting. His comp maturity is going to improve, but he's a person who knows how to lift. He just need probably a little bit of guidance, yeah. and... That's what kind of performance you see from Donovan Spears. What's going to end up totaling? Do you have it in front of you?
1: Sixteen oh three.
0: Sixteen oh three. From a I think he's I think he's nineteen. And yep. you know, very early on in the sport, that is insanity. So I don't know, with these team lifters, I don't know where they're gonna go from here. Um I, I I think most of them are going to be up in weight classes. I think Donnie is eventually going to be a ninety kilo lifter in the upcoming years. Joe is definitely going to be an eighty two and a half. Elliot is definitely going to be. Uh, might might be I I don't know. Again, I don't know how to judge a weight progression for a fifteen year old. I just you don't do it very often in powerlifting. You see you see it occasionally, Ducks. but I think he's in it for a long haul too. Coached by uh, Ash from Project Strength as well.
1: Yeah, at 15, like, is it 19? You can get bigger, but you probably maximize your height for the most part. Yeah. At 15, we don't know. He, he might grow four inches all of a sudden next year, and, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's crazy, though. I'm going to throw – again, I mean, we're going to run through this pretty quick because there's we could spend 10 hours going through all these if we really want. to. So I'm going to throw out a couple more. Jordan McKinley, 16.53 um, total, 19 years old um, in the 90-kilo class. Austin Nikolai, he was also in that 67.5 kilo class, 1369 total. Tim Hansen, uh, John Noriega's athlete, pulled 672. Um Ava, a- Ava Allen, she was the uh pretty much by far the best teen female lifter. Um she competed, she just competed at the Arnolds a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um she did fantastic, and I think she's actually officially going up a weight class now, which mm-hmm. is good. I think she's she struggled a little bit with making weight at the Arnolds, so going up a weight class, and I'm sure we're gonna see some good things from that. Yeah, those teen I, I didn't get to watch much of it other than just kind of what I saw on Instagram. Obviously, you got to cover it, but, um, yeah, I mean, this is the future. I and mean, some of these lifters are legitimately pro level and they're teenagers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the future is incredibly bright. Um, yeah, we, uh, Nikolai with the beautiful hair flip as well. And also, I got to mention, uh, my favorite, my, my personal favorite lifter, um, of the, the, uh, Teen in high school session, and that is uh, Daniel Foley. You got to watch a clip of Daniel Foley, and you know exactly why I love him. Just an absolute unit beast. And, yeah, it's like first impression. I saw him, like, boom, favorite lifter right there. I wanna yeah, mentor him <laughs> throughout his entire career. That's <laughs> a joke. But uh but yeah, I again and watching it, it just you know, you you just start you see these you lifters. I mean, we're not mentioning like a high school level because one, it was so many different lifters, but two, like there was a there was a sixteen year old, eighty two and a half, who was squatting five thirty, I think. I don't remember his name. But it was incredible. I mean he did better than me my first meet in eighty two and a half and I was twenty three and he was sixteen years old. He totaled me. So yeah, when we say we talk about the future of powerlifting, this is why it's bright if you watch Teen and High School Nationals. Um all right, what do you want do you want to jump to juniors now? Maybe get a bulk of it out. Yeah, right? we
1: can we can go through ju- yeah, we can go through the main main battles we saw in juniors real quick. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think well, let's do women first because it's pretty, on the women's side, in the juniors, it was, uh, a little less depth than on the men's side. Um, collegiates definitely had a lot more depth on the women's side. Uh, for some reason, unlike juniors for men, uh, the, the one big standout on the women's side, Samantha Jefferson.
0: Yeah.
1: Holy cow.
0: <laughs> Came out of nowhere, right?
1: And we talked about it. So raw, pun intended, because she very obviously, and we, we confirmed it by looking at her Instagram, comes from a from a weightlifting background, and it looked like it very much like looks so she was at low bar squatting. Um, it looked like her bench uh, was a bit more just general general bench technique versus more like uh, like leveraging efficiencies with powerlifting technique, um, conventional deadlifter. But yeah, unbelievably strong. I think she totaled over 500 kilos. Um, I don't know if she's doing open nationals, but I think she was. I think she was the 90 kilo class. She would very much be competitive in that 90 kilo class.
0: Um, yeah, I think the whole point there was to. I think I saw an Instagram post from her was to get a pro card in the USAPL, become mm-hmm. a pro powerlifter, and she actually. If she goes in that junior prime time session, which she's definitely invited to, I. Uh, I mean, there's. Uh, we're we're going to get to it shortly with uh, Jessica Span- uh, Spaniel. That's going to be tough to beat her on dots. But I mean, she can get. It, she can find herself in a podium position potentially I, for that pro card.
1: I actually think she might have a better chance at winning the ninety kilo class. I mean, five fifty two point five total.
0: Yeah. No. But Garrett, I, well, me. The, I, th- uh,
1: I think that. I think that would be nominated first right now in the open.
0: Yeah, I saw Garrett's eyes when he saw the openers from her. And they just lit up. Like, they got so wide because we know. We know what good open numbers are. And also, we... It's one thing to be just surprised like that. When we said it was going to happen at a point, because we could as hard as it is doing a recap, it was hard doing the preview, because we can't keep track of all these junior lifters and all these collegiate level lifters. It's just an impossible thing to do. And this was the surprise. This was the breakout performance was her? We had no clue, no idea at all, Put in a pretty good, I think a pretty good pass competition, but... I think that's, you could tell just someone who, if you just mold it just a little bit, it's got that freakish strength. It's got like Ashton Ruska type strength, naked knee squats, obviously an Olympic background. If you give it some powerlifting guidance, you're, you're potentially looking at the next big thing on the female side.
1: Yeah. Incredible. So definitely some other good battles on the female side. Again, we, we're we going to have to run some of these quick, so I'm just going to say names so you get a name drop, but we're not going to be able to cover all of these. Uh Brianna Bach versus Lindsey Zedrick, Zedzicks, I can't say it right. I think they were the 100 kilo. That was super close. I think it came down to the last pull. Same with Cheyenne Honeycut versus De- uh, Daisy Garcia. They came down to the last pull. Um, some really good battles there. Um, Juniors, though, like I mentioned, the depth was more on the men's side for juniors, at least. Uh, I mean, I think the battle everyone was talking about and um, we were talking about leading in was uh Charvis versus Chris Perez. But as we stated, we were going to get a lot of things wrong. We didn't uh not include Kyle Dawson in our preview show. We just kind of I, I think we kind of alluded to it, it was going to be the Charvis versus Chris show. Mm-hmm. Um Kyle almost won. All three of them had a chance to pull for the win. All
0: three of them. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all kind of the same type of lifter, too. Like, tr- like that's what we were talking about on the commentary. Charvis and um, Charvis and Chris have, they beat you on subtotal. Uh, their pulls are good, and their pulls are going to improve, but, but they just almost have identical numbers on both. And then the same thing with Kyle. Like, they're not going to be in a position where it just goes completely to the deadlifter's advantage. They're all the same type of lifter that um, that uh, they have to hit all their lifts, too. And unfortunately, the thing with them is, unfortunately, they were kind of missing lifts. So that's why I think we yeah. get a little bit of a battle. We, we always say it's better than when everyone hits their lifts, when everyone's going nine for nine. Whenever you, and then it comes down to the final pull because the lifters had perfect days. Those are always better scenarios. Uh Charvis was struggling with squat depth, and uh looking at his training, it, you could probably see that. You, if you go into a scouting report, you could probably see that depth might be an issue. I mean, hell, even prior to the competition, I asked him what his goal was for the day, and he's like, well, 800 kilos if I don't bomb on depth. I'm like, oh, okay, my prediction is looking a little bit sus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he was able to recover and I, I, I thought on second he got his depth, but they were being a little bit strict on the day. So on third, he had to really sink it. And then Chris, I think, missed his third squat too. On top yeah, of that.
1: Yeah. And they both missed, then they both missed their third bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I don't think Chris, Charvis, or Kyle would tell you they had the perfect day. Um, I do believe, I might be wrong. I do believe those three have all said they're. Doing the jam time session, we definitely have some people who are not doing it, whether they're just not doing it in general or they're doing the open. I believe Charvis, Chris, and Kyle all said they're doing it, and that's likely the top three battle if they do it. And we're just going to see a repeat again of seeing those three go at it, um, and in a, in a good way. Even though it's a short turnaround, they probably all three learn what they need to do to make sure that they put the best performance on the platform the next time around. Because again, they, they they all did good, but I think they would all admit they weren't. They 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 left some in the tank.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent there, and I and I'm looking forward to that rematch too. Um, and they confirmed it, you know. Um, at least uh, Charvis and Chris did. Um, I actually I don't see a whole lot of Kyle's posts. I I don't know if it's because I know.
1: Chris I feel like Chris. I saw in his story. He said something. I might be wrong, okay. but I, I I thought I did.
0: I mean, this is pretty much where the like the uh, this is bad journalism is because I know Charvis and Chris a little bit more, where I see their stories more often and this is what happens when you're just doing all your research based on Instagram story posts, that we keep archived. Remember, we keep them all archived for people listening. We keep them archived. But, yeah, and the rematch is definitely going to happen. I'm looking forward to commentating that one. That's for damn sure. Um, That's going to be a really great primetime session. Uh, Those juniors at primetime and uh, at Meganads is going to be some must-watch powerlifting. And I I think you – I mean, I think Travis – I think Charvis and Chris um, can definitely go 800 if they have their meets that they're hoping for. Um, same thing with Kyle, too. So it's not like you're watching some scrubs. You're watching some really good open lifters as well. Um, they could definitely be within the top five uh, very soon. And yep. Yeah, so that was that was our big bet on the junior side with 82.5. Um, and also, I mean – I mean, it took us thirty minutes to mention Weeze, but I mean, the lifter of the. Wheeze? I said his name. I said his name already. Oh, he did? you did. I said
1: it. I said it when comparing Dustin Rick. I said Weeze was uh, Sean Mills was the only one that beat him. So no. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. All right. So because uh, we're saying this, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek here, but Weeze is like the Russ of college kids. He had lines yeah. of people asking him to take pictures. I'm not joking. Fucking it, like the amount of females, the amount of college girls asking him for pictures was hilarious to me. It was actually funny. I had and
1: to see, or doing creepy videos of him sitting in the crowd.
0: Yes, that too. Yeah, it's like it's it's like you know, it's it's cool to see. It's funny to me. I just laugh every time I see it. I'm like, are you fucking serious? More in a sense of like, I get like. I guess I guess powerlifting is like a legit thing, because you have you know uh, you have people in the ages of 17, seventeen through twenty, you know lose their minds over this heartthrob, of of Sean Mills, but he's a terrific lifter on top of that, and also the you know and everyone else there. I mean, if you see the style, you see the fashion, it's because you know Weeze probably did it right. So I think he's a big highlight because of it. he's a big influence. But it comes with a cost. People look at you closer when you have that. You know? People look at you. People examine you. Weez has to do good at meats. Because if you have this many people liking you, you're going to have a lot of people hoping that you fucking fall on your face. And he had himself a damn good meat. A really, really good meat. Eight for nine. Um, he took that real 771, which I thought was there. Unfortunately, wasn't there on his deadlift, but his squat and bench were perfect. Just brilliant, and you're not really yeah. looking at his true total. You know, it's it's something that he really reached for seven seventy one. Um, I, I I mean, to play it safe, seven sixty two probably would have been my call. But why play it safe? You know, like you're you're you won the competition. You won the junior national championship. You're there on dots. You have your invite. If he was even going for the invite for primetime and junior nationals, you have it. He knocked it out of the park, and um, I think you're seeing a start of something really special from a person who just doesn't have the influence now, who doesn't have just the following. The lifting is there. It's clearly there for Wiese. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, I think if he signed up, he'd be nominated third or fourth right now in the open at one ten, which is a stacked class with people like Ashton and Dave Wilson and Jake Amendola. Um yeah, I mean, for the reason he did the seven seventy one, if people didn't know, that was to pull for best overall lifter. He'd already secured everything else. He was just putting on the bar what he needed to pull for best overall lifter. And yeah, if he would have just been conservative and gone like seven sixty, he probably gets it. Um but huge day. I mean He had some pretty big names in his class, too. He had Arthur French and then Paul Harayo. Paul is who he had the pull for the win against last year. Um, But he just kind of separated himself. I think Arthur had a decent meet. I think Paul, um, I don't think coming in he was planning on having some huge meet. I think he's been dealing with injuries, and so just kind of getting back on the platform. It was kind of a whim, um, But in in the in the comparison, though, Sean just kind of ran away with this division. Um, we, we, we told him, me and you have told him personally, uh, he's not a junior lifter anymore.
0: Nope. Um, well, I, you just said that right now. Imagine Wheeze in that lineup with all those big, angry, heavy hitters. Ash, David Wilson, Jacob Endola, and you got Wheeze in the mix now. It'll be cool. It'll be cool to see. It'll be good for powerlifting to see that. Like, Also, bring a little bit more light to that, that weight class. You know, because you'll attract a certain crowd. I mean, it's gonna be a while. I mean, I, I, I don't know about it. It, it. It's a hard way class to be like that successful, and but, um, you know, it it'll be a while before he starts challenging those guys. But I think, I I don't know. I think, um, you know, a year or two, he can not possibly be in that podium position. For that I think he's
1: pretty close to that. I mean, if you took away Ashton, cause Ashton's an outlier, um, Sean's right there. I mean, I think he hit 856 at this meet. I think if he didn't YOLO his third depth, he has like 870. um, add a little bit more to that, like 880 with some progression. Um, I think that, I mean, that's right there. That's right there with him. Like 900 is like the mark to beat. Uh Mikey Davis at 105 just hit 895. And we talk about Mikey being one of the best 105s in the world. Sean is right there. It's just, The only issue he has is he's got arguably the best powerlifting in the world in his weight class right now. That's the only issue. But if you take away Ashton, Sean Mills is not a junior lifter. I don't care about his age. He is an open lifter based on his talent.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right there. And... Um, I mean, even with this weight class, you alluded to it earlier. It's 82 and a in this weight class, and the junior level was the most competitive as far as high-level lifters and also how close they were. Um, Weez was probably, you know, a pretty um, comfortable favorite going into it, but you know, Arthur French, he's looking for that meet where he figures it all out. I mean, he struggled with squat at this meet, um, but it looks like he's starting to figure out everything else, which is great to see. And Arthur, if you look at him like this he he's like he has all the makings to be a brilliant power lifter. He has all the makings to be in that class that we're just talking about, like within that top five position hundred ten. It's just and he's young. Like that's the thing. We're all talking about young lifters here. We're not talking about these seasoned veterans. We're talking about people who are figuring it out and they're at a high level while figuring it out. His deadlift leverages are insane. I think I think Arthur has a really bright future in the sport. And I think he's looking for that meet where he figures it all out. And when he figures it all out, then you have a you have a real battle there at the younger stages of powerlifting with him and Wheeze. Um I, yeah. I really, I'm really high on him.
1: Yeah, you've got a lot. There's a lot. You go through a ton of them. There's a lot of one tens right now in that teen to college age that have incredible potential. Sean is the only one breaking out right now. The other ones are having some growing pains a little bit. Sean's the one breaking out. We'll see which one next kind of joins them next. But Arthur definitely has the tools to be able to do that. So, um,
0: Yeah. And then also I want to the mention one other, with Paul. With yeah, over I.O. It was as good as he him get on the platform and get healthy. Um, another guy who's worked his ass off to get to where he is. And you know what, Paul? I wish I would have took a picture with you because I remember you now. I had the embarrassment last year of saying, I don't know if, I'm like, I, why don't I know who Paul is? He's from Chicago. I can know all my Chicago lifters. And then he posted a picture of us on Instagram, like, well, I feel like a horse's ass right now. Um, I do remember you this time and you, you had a great meet and I'm very, I'm very happy to see him, you know, still throwing himself within that battle and, um, you know, having some good results there and also coaching Ar- Arthur at the same time. That's impressive. Yeah.
1: Yeah, coaching his main competition for second place. I think the, the one other battle we had that we kind of hyped up going in was Sawyer-Clatt versus James Cole, and we quickly learned that there was a third party in Noah Urbanski that we overlooked. He actually, looking at it now, I realize this, he out-dotsed Sawyer and James because Noah weighed in at 93.35, where Sawyer and James were both around 99 kilos, which is actually pretty crazy. But Noah was in it. Um, it never really shaped up to be a huge battle, um, even though Sawyer, I think admittedly didn't have his best day. Um, it looked like based off of his first squat that he was in for one. And then all of a sudden that second squat was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much a max. Uh, but it didn't really matter. He ended up, uh, he kind of was in cur- control all day by that third lift. He did like a wheeze. He just kind of yoloed 365. I think he could have easily probably pulled like 355 to 360 if he really needed to. Um, but uh, big uh that was the first, like, national meet for Sawyer. Um, he's just been at the local level, so there might have been a little growing pains there. But obviously, he's got incredible potential.
0: Yeah, I think he missed his first squat on Rack Command. So it looked like he was battling a little bit of nerves yeah. there. And then his second yeah. looked a little rough. I'm like, ooh, okay. Like, this might have opened a door for other lifters here. And I think he missed his third on Command too.
1: No, third was just too hard. He didn't have anything left after that second.
0: He didn't? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe this you're was right. only a two-and-a-half-kilo right. jump he took. Yeah. So I remember – well, I remember it was like I'd never really seen that, a lifter missing two lifts on rack command for first and third attempts. You know, like um, it's usually your first attempt, and you kind of figure it out from there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of messed up my timing here. I was going to not mention uh, uh, James Cole. <laughs> And move and move right along to keep this ongoing joke we can going. Just,
1: we, <laughs> we can just redact it.
0: Yeah, no, I'll just edit this part out where we're talking about James Cole. But, uh, yeah, he had himself a hell of me, James Cole. And I'm um, giving him a hard time, obviously, because he was not too fond of us for uh, not really mentioning him on the preview episode. Um,
1: well, we mentioned him. Per usual, I'm going to call you out, James. Per usual, people get pissed at us when we're right.
0: Ooh, yeah.
1: Every every single person that's gotten pissed at us and goes on the stories, we've been right. Yeah, every single time.
0: The thing I did like about it, is I'm like, because there was two people, I was like, all right, let's see how they react when they see me. It was him and Trey Ricard because he was also a little bit upset with um our preview of the eighty two and a half collegiate lifters, which we're gonna get to soon. But I'm like, all right, let's see how James and James knocked it out of the park with how he greeted me. He just comes up to me, he's like, hey man, I hated your fucking podcast. <laughs> And I was like, all right, James, you're good in our book now because that is a fantastic way to... Because people do this when they're pissed off at Two White Lights and what we said on previous shows. They just, one, either avoid us completely, not make eye contact, which is eh, bitch move. And then, or two, they do what James did, which is always the one that I want. And that's to actually confront us because... Because if you were upset about it on your story and you made a post, I'm like, well, when I see you, I, like, I, I want some sort of reaction. Or there's a the third one. Be very, 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 very friendly and pretend like you didn't say anything on your story. I don't like that one either. I like the second one. I like where you actually confront us about it. And um, he did have himself a good meet. But, you know, I think Sawyer was the, the, the premier lifter there. But James Cole, I think, uh definite bright future in the sport. Want to see what he does going forward. And. Uh, Noah Arbansky, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right Noah Urbanski what a unit what a unit I mean right coming out with a dangling earring with the mustache and the perm you just, got, you just got to respect it and then kind of going out there and just oozing machismo while he's lifting 93 kilos competing with the big boys at 100 kilos he had himself one hell of a meet I'm excited to see him I like there's something about Noah that I just like
1: yeah, nine for nine too. He executed. That's why he brought himself into the picture. I don't think off of just brute strength or like ceiling, he was as strong as Sawyer and James, but he just executed. Um, and yeah, like I said, we knew we have some people we overlooked and Noah was one that we immediately were like, crap. Yep. He's in the picture and we did not talk about him at all. And now we know him and we won't do that, make that mistake again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I'm, again, looking forward to see what what these lifters can do. That's why Junior Nationals is a cool thing, even though I think a lot of lifters should be in the open. Um, we're gonna see them in the open. And we're gonna see, you know, that's a lot of their lifters are their first glimpse of what Nationals is like. Uh, I, I call, I still would think of it as kind of diet Nationals, depending on if you get primetime or not. If you get primetime, it's a, it's a bit of a different animal. That battle, that short flights, um, lifting with, the best lifters in the world for a lot of weight classes is one thing. Um, I think if you transition from junior nationals to regular nationals, you're seasoned. You're, you're a veteran now. Like, you actually have some sort of idea on how to handle a national meet. Um, and I think we're going to see that from James and Noah, um, definitely from Sawyer as well, um, kind of the, the, the standout performer based on uh, dots there, or a uh, total. Yeah. Yeah, because no one did out that so. And I'll just throw
1: just to finish out juniors, again, just like the women, I'll let we don't have time to go over everyone, but just a couple shout outs to three other lifters who, who put on some really good performances and won their weight classes. Cody Hartman, uh, I think six sixty seven and a half total at uh, seventy five kilos. Lawrence Henson, um where's he at real quick? Uh, um, 767.5 kilo total at 90, uh, at 90 kilo body weight. And then Braden Gulch, 805 kilo total at the 125. So, um, really solid for all three of those. Mm-hmm. Um, not really any goals within those weight classes, but good individual performances.
0: Yeah. And also want to give a shout out to Amanda Heath, searching new levels, winning junior nationals. Very proud of that. Coached by Michael Cole Pietro. I was really psyched to see that. Uh, Amanda works her ass off and she got there. And yeah. Um, it was it was cool to see her compete on national stage and win junior nationals. Like it's uh, it's one of those I just remember I remember her and Cole coming to the gym at certain levels like first time and they stuck with it and I'm happy about that. And um, all right, so now now the real question is, where do you want to go from here?
1: Well, let's just go day by day, session by session. We're just gonna kind of again. We can't do every class. We can't do every person. We're just going to have to kind of highlight the main kind of storylines. Let's try. Um, let's try, to we'll do try every and get, person. We'll try and get.
0: <laughs> let's, let's make an attempt yeah. here. Let's try every person. Let's, 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 let's give it the I'm little, going uh, to go
1: try. I'm going to watch The Office all seasons, and I'll come back when you're done.
0: I will, I'm mispro- going to binge I will those. mispronounce everyone's name again. We'll do a live stream replay where I mispronounce your names. Pretty much. All right. So. All right.
1: Well, yeah, it's getting it's into yet. it, Collegiate Sunday, um, I think there was probably one, two, three, four main classes that had some pretty, like, outstanding performances and battles. Um, we'll just go in the order. I mean, we'll start with the person who was the best overall female of the raw side on any age class, and that was Jessica Espanyol. Yep. 400 kilo total in the 48 kilo weight class. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: Premier. Lister, she's going
1: to be the favorite. She's going to be the favorite going into Raw Nationals. I think she's only 20 years old. Um, I mean, very soon, if not already, she'd be in a conversation with Heather Cotter and Turbo Tiff um, as the best 48-kilo lifter in the world, and the sky's the limit for her. That's going to be incredible to see what she continues to do.
0: Yeah, I could not agree with you more there, Steve. A brilliant performance. I mean, it's hard to live up to the expectations, hard to live up to the hype, and she did that. You know, I believe a nine-for-nine-day, yep. didn't leave any doubts there. She was out of her mind all day. Um, and really coming off of a big meet, I when was that, October? I want to say it was October, the h Showdown. Yeah, it was a Halloween-type meet. So it was late October, and, you know, some eyes were on her, but it's a local meet. And she's a relatively low-key lifter, low-key 19- to 20-year-old lifter. Um, I think at the time she was 19, now she's 20. yeah. yeah. That total is legit, and I think you were looking at the early front runner to be the national champion. And also, I mean, will, if you go last year when we talked about Heather Connor in 47 kilos, we're like, hey, no one's really contesting her, you know? No one's really going after. Her. Now you have two in the world right now who are contesting for that. You know, I. That's that's. That's how the sport is evolving. You have to. And both be, very basically. young
1: lifters at it too. Exactly. Not, yeah, both are. I think both twenty. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, and the, um, um, it's an, and like with both of them, how fast uh, Turbo Tiff progressed. I see the same with Jessica. I don't see any reason why she can't put more on her total going into nationals, and I I'm very confident in that, and I want to see it too. You know, it's 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 a good thing when um. Great lifters, surrounded by great people, do great things in the sport. You know, it's it maybe a little bit of bias there. You know, Rob Escalante's a coach, and I just want to see. I want to see the success. I want to see that. Uh, well, that would be the, the it would be the opposite. Up. That
1: would make us unbiased towards her since Rob's the coach.
0: Yeah, yeah. Rob's a <laughs> Rob's a deplorable human. <laughs> Where did yeah. you guys take that from a podcast? like, well, it was legitimately said on a podcast. i a deplorable human. Um, no. I that should be
1: our quote. Just that for the collegiate nationals, that's all we put on Instagram for our posts is Rob is a deplorable human.
0: He's a deplorable. <laughs> yeah, Jessica Spangio is a great lifter, minus the fact that he's coached by Rob Escalante, because he's a deplorable human being and coach. But nah, joking. We love you, Rob. You're a very handsome man in person too. But uh, yeah, I think I actually think the premier lifter of the entire week has been her um, because it's. It's open. It's open yeah. level, and uh, there's not no, a 48. Geez. There's going to be a battle, though, at 48 nationals. I'm not saying that she has her to run away. There's going to be an actual battle, and it's it's great to see that, too, because we talked so many, like, I think two past nationals. Well, it's going to be Heather Conner. Heather Conner is going to win. Um, if Heather Conner was competing at USAPL, it would be she can't coast. She has to hit her lifts. You coast, you might lose to a few lifters there, and that's good. Whenever we see people who are legends in the sport being challenged, it's good to see. It's good for the sport, and again, like it's great when it's a young lifter too, a young lifter with a bright future. Like How far can they take the record? How much can they push each other? What happens to the trajectory of the sport then? Are they going to come to America? Is Jessica Spidey going to go to PLA? You know, like, all these questions get to be answered, and I, I, from a person who's in media, I I really like that.
1: Yeah, and maybe we'll just bring it up now. Uh, So the 40, uh, this will kind of uh, segue into it. The 48-kilo class usually has not been a very interesting class historically because of depth and because Heather wins. That's going to be one of the better classes this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jessica's going to be the favorite, but then we've got Demetria Thayton, uh Mallory Brown, Katerina Gendanova, uh, and then I'll even throw it out here too. Leanne Lee got overshadowed by Jessica because Jessica yeah. just did uh, something nutty. But Leanne Lee put up a total that I think would have been top four last year at Nationals uh, with 352.5. That's starting to be a pretty deep class, and honestly, because it went up a kilo, that's going to help a lot. Like, even though it's a kilo, that doesn't sound a lot to, like – a lot of the men listening who are 90 kilos going to 91 doesn't make much of a difference for a 47 kilo female to now be able to weigh 48 kilos. That's a big deal. That's going to allow them to stay in these weight classes for longer, um, as well as be able to grow into the weight class better. So, um, but, uh, with that being said, do you want me to bring up our, our national stuff now or should we wait?
0: What is the national stuff or a playoff bracket or?
1: Yeah. yeah. I was going to talk about the 48 kilo
0: yeah. No, no, no. You can talk about the playoff bracket.
1: Okay. So quick quick interlude. Um obviously last year we talked about uh or last year we did do our March Madness bracket with all the lifters, going down to our best overall male and female. Um this year what we're gonna do is a bracket setup of the best and most compelling and competitive weight classes mm-hmm. um, on the men's side and the women's side coming down to basically figuring out who is, what is the most or most compelling competitive and best weight class going into raw nationals, because that's, that's what USAPL is. It's depth and weight class competitiveness. I mean, that's what we've got. Uh, we're going to have a lot of battles. And what I reason I bring that up is because 48 typically was not really in that picture. And it is this year. Mm-hmm. It is one of the weight classes that are going to, people are going to want to watch.
0: Yeah. Um, you're 100% right there and I love the idea and I think 48 is going to be fun to watch cuz um we have uh we have about four or five lifters there who are going to take a run at that number one spot um and I mean we even we, there's a few lifters there we need to mention um that are going to be up there yeah I mean it's yep. it's just a lot it's it's good it's good to see you know cuz at, t- at times that, that uh that weight class no pun intended it could be a little bit light it to just not have a whole lot of lifters in it. And now there's there's more lifters in it, and also they're you know phenomenal power lifters. Uh, man, Ava
1: Allen is going up. Ava Allen's going up, too. The most she's lovable only 18, 19. Also
0: the most lovable power lifter ever, Ava Allen. Like, personality-wise, yes. maturity-wise, it's like, well, you're awesome. I love talking to you. Um, and, and, and that will... That can happen where something becomes a premiere, especially for the female side. I mean, I think the men's have their side. The females, um, you know, I think with the 63s for a long time, that was kind of the spotlight, but it could potentially be the 48s uh, in the near future. All right, uh, what do you got next for that Sunday? Do you want to go with the females still, or do you want to go with um, the uh, the next one in line?
1: Just go to the next one in line. Um, arguably, to me, this was the best pull for the win in the entire meet. It was a 67.5-kilo class Kyle Nowak versus Matty Goldberger. Seemingly, the entire meet, Madi seemed like he had it, and it wasn't really – it was kind of his the entire time. And he didn't necessarily lose. It's more so that Kyle put seemingly a weight that I didn't really think was going to be within his wheelhouse, went from 272.5 up to 290 and hit it. And yeah. one by two and a half kilos. Now, you might argue I didn't get to what we're gonna get to it in just a second here. I didn't get to watch the 75 kilo class. I know I, I don't know how it all played out. I know it was super close, but for me, the pull or the lift of the meat in the sense of pulling for position goes to Kyle Nowak um, because I was thinking me he had like 280 to 282, and he went and actually crushed 290, pulled for the win, came from behind. I really thought Mati had it, uh, like, in the bag, did not. Kyle's your national champion.
0: Yeah, that was the most insane thing um, of the meet. I think, because you go back to the comments here, we're like, you know, he can maybe jump, you know, he, he make, I, I forgot the exact number I said. I think it, I'm like, yeah, he can maybe jump, like, 10 kilos. I think he's got it there. Um, like, if he wants to pull for the win, you know, it's probably going to be out of his real but why not go for it? And he hit it. It was it was incredible. I think that might, I don't know, there was a lot of times where I had a lot of energy while commentating. That might be up there as far as like the top three moments for me, just losing my mind because of how wrong I was. I mean, that's always, that's always something when I'm completely incorrect on a take. Um, and to watch the person prove me wrong like in front of my eyes is always something that will get my voice, you know, another octave or two, but... That was so. I mean, and he completely changed the day. It goes from you know, it, it takes a dot score up to four ninety. Um, does it in dramatic fashion too. That was just such a ballsy, ballsy move, and it's not the easy thing to. It's not the easy thing to execute at all. Like people think that the deadlift specialist has this massive advantage over people. You have to execute the lift, and I did not think he had that big of a jump in him. I did not think a 40 pound jump was going to happen. I was calling it maybe at 22. The 22 was good for him. But, you know, he put his balls on the table there and was able to uh, was able to pull it off. No pun intended.
1: Yeah. Yep, also, that was an also, incredible the most performance. Insta- and
0: again. Also, he's the most Instagram famous person that I don't know. <laughs> I, I go on his Instagram. Yeah. But, oh, he has more. I'd I never heard
1: of him than I clicked on and I was like, oh, he's actually really famous. I'm
0: like, well, that's. I don't know if that's bad for uh, journalism or good journalism, Rn. But I was like, oh, it's more. So fun I think that's rad.
1: Well, I think it's because he's not. I want to put this in a way that's not like saying this wrong. Uh, It looks like he's really good friends, maybe even roommates with Ryan Dangler, and they're kind of in. They're a little bit into kind of the bodybuilding side. I kind of, I actually think he might be more like. Famous in the sense of the bodybuilding side, then he is powerlifting. I think that might be where a lot of that comes from, and why we didn't really know much about him.
0: Yeah, and also g- give a shout out to the Ohio State University because this raw powerlifting program they have at the uh, at Ohio State University is insanely good right now. Yeah, when you look at some of the lifters that they're producing and some of the you know the team awards that they're you know contending for, which I don't think I have the team standings in front of me, but. Their raw powerlifting team is really, really good. And, you know, the way the sport's turning out, the way the sport's turning out, the way that, you know, how it's going, you know, that might be the big team award is the raw powerlifting award. It might actually have more teams get involved in raw powerlifting because of what Ohio State's doing. Because we saw with uh, Christine Hazard at Arnold, and she's going to be a contender for a national championship spot. We're seeing, like, a lot of influential lifters at Ohio State University too, and that could actually yeah. cause more people to want to get involved in teams, and more people to actually want to get involved in the uh, the raw part of the aspect of it too, which will be. Great well, that was well. something I, we
1: kind of we kind of discussed is maybe getting John Downing, their head coach, on because they're they're not a scholarship program unlike a Midland or a McKendry. I, I don't know. I don't believe they have school funding. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, they're probably arguably the most organized and professional club team in the US.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would uh which makes John, sense. John's doing something right there. Which makes sense it's all appropriate that the most organized powerlifting collegiate team would be in Columbus, Ohio. That's that's yep. probably the most appropriate place for a uh, organized powerlifting club to be at, but yeah, um, that was an that was a very good session there. Um, great battle, and of course that pull for the win scenario was out of this world good. And then on the female side, um, I think I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would say this is the most competitive female weight class of collegiate nationals. So the 56 kilo weight class. Uh, 56 kilo weight class.
1: Uh, this or the 67 and a half. That's debate. I, I would probably argue 67 and a half. Okay because um, there was actually polls for the win um, in the 67 and a half, I believe this one was, I mean, Victoria Vargas, I think came in as the likely favorite. And even based off the openers, I believe she was the favorite. She just didn't have the meat. I think she was looking for. And Adriana Davis, we knew was in the picture. We had talked about her on the previous show. She had about a darn perfect meat set. The American record squat um 398.5 total at 56 kilos, which would be competitive in the open division. And then the the person that really kind of came out of nowhere that we did not talk about and did not know much about was Rose Huong. She went nine for nine Mm -hmm. and ended up getting second. And we kind of were looking at this as a two-horse race between Adriana and Victoria. And Rose snuck in there with perfect execution. She actually ended up hitting the American record squat after Adriana and upped it by a kilo to 144 um, and just had a perfect meet and ended up getting second place at 389. Um, I don't believe uh, she didn't try and take a pull for the win. Victoria, I believe, tried to pull to pass up Rose to get into second. Um, But Adriana had a pretty clear advantage there. But even with that, we're only separated by like 17 kilos between the three. Very close battle between those three ladies.
0: Yeah, we were anticipating it being very close. Um, And, you know, what? the reason why I think we weren't expecting is because this was the session, or uh, aside from um, Adriana Davis, where the other two lifters we just didn't know much about. And I have to give a shout-out to Adrienne Davis because um, she was actually helped me on research on this one um, to get a little bit better idea of the other two lifters. And that, I mean, when that happens, I'm like, okay, based on their forecasted total, we could be in for a close battle here, but I don't know how these lifters execute their lifts. I don't know how good they are on the platform. I don't know how experienced they are. And um, talking to Rose, like, is fairly new to her. You know, like, it, it's a fairly new sport. So her performance here, again, we're looking at the future of the sport. Rose is definitely one of those future contenders going forward. Just a great performance on her. And also, when you kind of just look at some, it's it's seemingly based on, if you go on Instagram, someone with a fitness background, you know, has got a physique going, is jacked. That often leads to success in powerlifting. When you have a prior fitness background, when you have muscle on your body, you're able to go further places because that's one of the bigger, biggest drivers in performance is actually having muscle, muscle mass. Um, and Adrienne Davis, I think she wrapped it up on what her eighth attempt.
1: Yeah, I think she. Yeah, she pretty much had it after her second attempt deadlift. Um, had it in the bag. Um, it was more of the battle at that point between, uh, Rose and Victoria. And that's where Rose hit her third deadlift and Victoria did not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a, that was a good battle and going to see where it goes from there. Um, don't know necessarily what the plans are as far as going to junior prime time, because I think that'll be a next great step for these lifters is going to the junior prime time. I think both mm-hmm. qualify relatively easy and, um these rematches are fun. The,
1: yeah, the, for sure.
0: The rematches uh can actually be a you know, a really good uh a really good sense of motivation and something to train for.
1: You know about that. It gives you it gives you something to kinda for of in direct competition with uh, Mr. Gruden and Delaney as well.
0: Yeah, I mean like I said on the past, I I would have probably dropped out of the Arnold if Gruden wasn't competing like that was one of the big reasons like yeah I get to compete against someone head to head and it's uh it's an underrated thing in powerlifting and um
1: good thing you didn't drop out because you got to talk to uh father gruden.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't That even was know worth him, it alone. Was, it was it was definitely worth it. But yeah, it was really enter- it was really entertaining watching those uh 56s and Adrian D- and Adrian Davis, Rose, Victoria all have incredibly bright futures in powerlifting. Um and, the, and also, with Adriana, it seems like she has a passion for it as well. That also helps. Talk about lifetime lifters, mm-hmm. life, long lifters. If you're passionate about the sport, you know, you're going to go places in it. It actually helps to like what you're doing. Sometimes it happens with collegiate lifters. you are like the phenoms where they don't like it. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, you know, you can kind of tell a flash in the pans, and I think um, all of them are in for the long run. So, um That was all session one Sunday or, uh, collegiate Sunday. That was session two. That was session two. Well, we got
1: session, we got session three now. Oh, this, I was coaching during the session, so I didn't get to watch it. I just had to hear about it and I can kind of picture based off looking at attempts, kind of how it went. But if Kyle had the best pull for the win. 75 was the best class of the entire meet.
0: Dude, it was unbelievable. One, this is something I've never seen before in powerlifting. Um, this is actually, this is more of a Mike Gold's um, commentary too. Um, I had to actually lift during the session for the first part of it. I was able to watch, um, uh, uh, probably after squats, I was able to watch some bench and deadlifts. This was the first time I've ever seen, it. if successful, this lifter will jump from 59th to 57th on Lifting Cast, meaning that there was that many lifters in this class. 63 total. 63 lifters in this class, which makes sense. It's collegiate powerlifting, so most of the male lifters will probably fall within this weight uh, class category. And it did yield possibly the best battle that at least I've seen. There was so many lifters who were in a position to pull for the win, and this is the case where it came down to the deadlifter, which is Ken Win, um, Kyle Peterson, massive subtotal on him, uh, big time subtotal. He had a he had a great meet. Um, I think. If you look at his competition history, there's I think there's a few rough spots there. I think from Arizona, I think he goes to, the Arizona, goes to Arizona State University, the Sun Devils. Um, his competition's a little shaky, so I was kind of like, I'm going to err on the side of Ken Wynn in this competition, but he actually went out there and had himself a damn good meet. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Long was able to have himself a very good meet as well. I think he was able to work with Nori extremely well and to get himself in a position where... He was just able to go nine for nine and have himself a solid meet, and the sky's the limit for that kid too, because he and
1: locked out his deadlift. Yep, <laughs> locked out his deadlift. He told me he would. He came up to me first thing and said, "I'm going to lock out my deadlifts," and he 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 showed us out on that one. So fantastic job by Jeff, nine for nine day. That was huge. So
0: and, and then all, but also Kevin uh, Kevin Garrett, LSU lifter. This was probably the biggest breakout of that session because yes. we did not expect this coming. And on based on forecasted total, we shouldn't have seen it come. And it's not bad journalism on our end. It was that out of nowhere. This was his second meet. He had, I think, a 504 dots. Yep. At 19 years old. And his lifts all looked effortless. It looked like he didn't know where his strength was at. I talked to Alex Ono, his head coach, and it sounded like they're just attempt selections based on like, dude, this is just too easy. Like like we don't really know exactly where to take you from here. And it was this and he wasn't in the and he wasn't in the session, which was the or not the session the flights. He was in flight B. Flight C could have Oh, put okay. There. So flight C could have put him in the position that makes sense. to potentially pull for a win based on how all of his lists were going. I think you could have seen an actual battle there between this guy who's done his second meet – Winning collegiate nationals at 75 against some, you know, against Ken Wynn, who I, I consider to be a, um, a veteran of powerlifting. I've seen him compete in many big meets. I know he has big lifts on him. I don't know. Kevin Garrett could have got himself into a situation there where he would have been possibly in second to first place.
1: Yeah, it's definitely possible. I mean, looking at how it played out, I can kind of tell. So Kevin, like you said, was in a different flight. Jeff ended up chipping him by two and a half kilos to take third. Kyle looked like he was kind of the front runner throughout the meet. Ken didn't have the best meet. He missed his, he missed two squats. He missed his third bench. He missed his opening deadlift, but Ken had body weight advantage on Kyle, ended up putting 307.5, which that was probably the final lift of the entire day. Uh, hit it, and that gave him the same total as Kyle. And based off of body weight, gave him the national championship. But that that was just even going down. So like Jeff Luong total six ninety two point five. Matthew Moore in fifth total six eighty. Zachary McGillis in sixth total six seventy seven. Elijah Williams from Cincinnati in seventh six seventy seven. Jacob Walzer in eighth six seventy five. McKay Stockwell in ninth six seventy. That was deep. Mm-hmm. Really, really deep. I don't know the age of all these guys, but, like, this will be exciting for years to come because of how many lifters in that class um, are legitimate uh, national champions threats.
0: Yeah. um, It could have gone in a lot of different scenarios depending on who was hitting their lifts or not. Um, And also, just to bring up again with uh, uh, Kevin uh, Garrett, he is a cheerleader for LSU. So he's balancing both of those things. He's balancing cheerleading at L S U and also powerlifting. That's not an easy thing to do. If I don't know if you, we'll see. We'll see how he approaches powerlifting going forward because he's young. I think next year is probably the front runner to win uh collegiate nationals and possibly junior nationals as well. And that total can get himself in the open. So yeah, it was it was really unbelievable watching that. Um also bring back on Ken Wynn. He has a tendency to just do that on his deadlift opener texas summer open i think he did the same misses deadlift in the same exact way it was a bad miss that opener it looked like his knee gave out and he does have some knee problems so i was very worried on his first attempt i think he moved the bar really far on the platform and then actually messed his balance up so i think he slipped and it kind of actually fell off the platform like worried, concerned, but then I remember he did that at Texas summer open at T B S and was able to get, I think, his next deadlift. Uh he ended up losing to Gage in that meet, but he was a- actually able to hit this deadlift and it was a dramatic it was a dramatic ending to a very dramatic meet with the seventy fives. So um long off season I know it's gonna happen to Ken Gotta recover. I know that knee's been bothering him, but uh, that deadlift that deadlift's gonna keep him around for a long time.
1: Yep, for sure. So to wrap up day one, I'm just gonna quickly go through some of the other national champions. Uh Thomas sato fifty-two kilo national champion, fifty-six on the men's side, Aiden Kusack. He had a pretty he had a pretty good battle with Raiden Chea, Austin Ha, and Colby Pearson came out on top. 60 kilo. We had Chase Chapa, who had a pretty good battle with Shimong Lore. Um on the female side, Dolce Dela Cruz in the 44 kilo class. Uh Elise Velasquez, honestly, she had a, I think she hit like 387.5, which is highly competitive in the 52 kilo class, had a great day there. Um, and then on the final class of the day, 60 kilos, Vicky Zen um placed first overall. And then I'll shout out my own lifter because I'm biased, is Isabel Riz- Riv- Rivera got fifth in that class. We weren't expecting that necessarily, but we had a chance to pull for fifth place and ended up podium, getting on the podium. So I was very excited about that.
0: Oh, yeah, I would be, too. That's always a good uh, situation. Also, good for those college kids um, because those top five podium uh, finishes mean something. All right, let's move on to Monday. Especially when
1: there's 63 people in the class.
0: Yes, exactly. I mean, I have never seen that before. Somebody actually went 49th at a weight class. I've never (laughs) seen that in my life. Someone is like, yeah, I came in 49th. Like, you could actually say that for how massive these classes were and how big this meet was as far as numbers go. All right, so – Monday first session. I believe I was out for that first session. Yeah, I was. You may have been. Yeah, because this was uh, sixty-seven and, and a half kilos. Is our first one, um, big battle there, and you said it was probably the most competitive. And I, I guess I would agree with. Yeah, I would agree with you on this one because he had pull for the win scenarios with Lysa Gardner, Emily Cooker, Caitlin Staley, and Katherine Rudenbush.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, going in, I think we kind of put, uh, Lysha as kind of likely the runaway winner. Um, we had kind of talked about Catherine being in the mix there. And then we talked about kind of like an outside looking in was Emily Cooker and Caitlin Staley. Um, Emily Cooker probably wins the award, uh, for most overlooked, uh, on the women's side, um, because she almost won. Um, she almost won. Um, Lysha, uh, Lysha didn't have, the perfect meet. She didn't have a bad meet by any means, but she didn't have the perfect meet. Um, and in particular, she kind of left the door open on her second deadlift. Um, I forget exactly what happened. Uh I believe either she lost balance at the top or something happened. It didn't look great. And honestly, coming back out for her third, um, I, I, what, she, I mean, she was in second place pulling into first on her third attempt. And she went up five kilos. And I was kind of a little bit like, why did they go up five kilos? They didn't even need to. Well, I saw why they went up five kilos because 192.5 moved like an opener. She probably could have pulled 200 plus. Just a little technical error on that middle attempt. Um, but, uh, Lysha or Lysha, I'm probably getting it wrong every single time. I'm sorry. Laysha. It's the rivalry.
0: Yeah, Lysha. Lysha? Yeah. Hopefully I'm not doing it wrong. When you mispronounce shit, it makes me self-conscious that I'm mispronouncing it too. I think it's Elisha.
1: That's what I'm, tr- that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Lysha.
0: Wait, okay, to, I'll to say to
1: it me. wrong again, probably. Yeah, okay.
0: you're probably gonna mess me up, and me get self conscious. But continue.
1: I, I need. I purposely need to actually probably pronounce it wrong because we're we're heated rivals, and I, I can't be like being nice to her. Yeah. That would be very yeah, good.
0: She's LeBron. And your skip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she uh she's not gonna do primetime. Uh, the junior primetime. She's going to the open because honestly, she's very competitive in the open. I believe Emily Cooker is going to do primetime though. But yeah, I mean. Super good meet from Emily. Um, I mean, this is a D class. Like, Emily, Caitlin, Catherine, Evelyn Mendoza, Madison, all really, really good days. Um, and it was, it was a battle all the way to the end between, uh, Emily and Mm Lysha.
0: Yep. Um, yeah, that was, that was the session I didn't really get to see. So I was, you know, uh, kind of getting in the highlights on it from you. And I, I, I guess I wouldn't have, I mean, I, yeah, I, we can't really hide from it. If you listen to the podcast, I don't think we're giving a whole lot of other lifters a shot to beat Lysha. And uh, Emily was getting there. And yeah, I think a big, big breakthrough performance was Emily Cooker. Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely I just came to executing. It her,
1: her and Caitlin, we thought were going to be third and fourth, and they ended up being second and third. And it's because they made lifts. Emily went eight for nine, just missing her last deadlift. Um, and Caitlin went uh, nine for nine, um, just executed. Caitlin had a near perfect day. I can just look at Caitlin's jumps. It was ten kilo. She was just perfectly jumping ten kilos on squat versus second and second to third. Ten kilos on deadlift first versus second, second to third. When you see that, you know that the plan just went to it just went to perfection.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but in that second section there, unless you have any more thoughts on the six seven and halves, nope. The second section is where I got to fill in on for commentary, so I got to watch these lifts and. The 82 and a halves did not disappoint as far as dramatics go and competition. That was really unbelievable.
1: So, yes. Yeah, we had- because the biggest thing is, dra- the biggest thing to say there is the dramatics. And the dramatics, Seth Dasuki seemed to kind of have the meat. Uh, he, he was kind of in control of it throughout. He seemed to have, I mean, based on the forecast of total and everything, he was looking good and then even come deadless. He looked like he had it in the bag. It was over because Trey Ricard missed his opener, then went up uh 17 and a half kilos and missed his second attempt. Yep. And it looked like okay, Trey is going to bomb out. Like Seth has got this pretty easily. Well, then Trey goes up another 11 and a half kilos, and I'm not going to lie, we were both kind of sitting there like, "Oh, Gosh, like, he he's going well, for the win. Like, it's very obvious. He's It's well, win or bomb out. It's well, win or bomb out. Who cares? I, and he freaking hits it.
0: <laughs> All right. So, I mean, this is something we can speak to on this one, Uh starting with Trey. Trey was a little bit upset with us uh, that I heard through the grapevine with our preview because uh, we kind of gave Seth the kind of the clear victory there. And I said on the podcast, which sometimes it's really good being proven right, he has struggles, or some of his lifts in the gym aren't to cop standards, particularly his deadlift. His deadlift lockout needs work, and then the first two attempts, I'm sitting there like, I, this is exactly what I was seeing in his training, and this is kind of the problem with you know having potentially a soft lockout or a missed time lockout in training, is when you get to a one rep max range and you actually have to hold it, it can mess with you. But he was able to do the craziest thing I think I've seen. He missed his first two bad, too. They were not good misses. But the strength you could tell was there. I, I think if I go in the commentary, I'm like, I think he could still pull this. This is within his range. He just needs to execute it. And I think he found his deadlift cue right there. Slow down. He slowed down his deadlift just a bit. And he was able to lock it out. It was a perfect third attempt. It was the planned third attempt. And, yeah, that put the ball in Seth's court. It's like, okay, Trey executed. He was having a rough session on deadlifts, but there it goes. And Seth murdered his deadlift. He looked like he was good for 744 on the day. People were saying 750. I probably would have called him at 744. His deadlift was money. That was a battle. That was something I like seeing. That's something I would tune in Yeah, and not to mention to watch. I'll pay money to watch it again.
1: Brett Brett Peach was in that picture too. Mm-hmm. He put on uh two eighty five and he unfortunately missed it, but that was the poll in the first place as well, which then was gonna force Trey's hand, which was gonna force Seth. hand. Uh, which is even crazier. I think they both yeah, Seth and Trey both hit American records, so they both had chips, but they tied each other on chips and Seth won on body weight. Um but yeah, I mean that was incredible. Uh I mean Two things learned. Uh, one, if you call us out on your stories, we're always right. But two, unbelievable poll, I tray, and we're giving you crap because you call us out, and we're going to keep giving you crap because of that. But it doesn't take away the fact that that yeah. was one of the most no, amazing, think, well, com- or like clutch third, third attempt polls we've seen. I, it was I, incredible. I, yeah, I like that you, was amazing. We're I, rooting for you. Yeah. And you came through and you crushed it. You
0: figured it out. Go into training. Do the same exact thing. Slow down. Same thing happened to uh, uh, Josh Hall. At the, the later sessions, I think that was the next day. He misses first two attempts, and I'm like, slow slow down. You're getting too antsy on the platform. You're speeding up your pull, especially both of them are hook grip pullers. I'm like, slow your deadlift down, and you'll be good. And I think that's all you got to do. Tension over speed, Trey. Lock it out. I think he figured it out, because that was a very good third, uh, third attempt there. Um, yeah, that was... That was really fun to watch. I mean, whenever somebody misses two deadlifts and they have to go for the third, and be in a situation to go from like bomb out to win is incredible. Like that's a commentator's dream. Um, Christian Pertoli also had himself a good meet. Uh, on top of that, the eighty-two and a halves. Um, Yeah, is he from Ohio State too?
1: I don't remember. He doesn't have a he doesn't have the university listed uh, in there, so I'm not sure.
0: I'm not sure either. I'm out of this misspoke. I apologize.
1: But yeah, he was definitely in that battle, too. He fell a little sh- I think he probably had to put something on deadlifts to be able to pull into position, and it just wasn't quite there. Um, but he was in the thick of that for a while, just kind of uh lost placing a little bit come deadlifts when Brett was hitting lifts, and then Trey uh, and Seth pulled those crazy numbers on their third attempts.
0: Yeah, and um also, I mean, of course, I'm going to pay close attention to 82-and-a-halves. I mean, that's the weight class. And Dennis Brady actually came up to me, the Illinois state chair, uh, he was judging and he came up to me and is like, Well, it looks like you have some company as far as your deadlift record goes. I'm like, uh, eh, maybe with uh Seth there's poll looked really, really good and I think he's in that range potentially for seven fifteen his next meet and then um uh potentially close to that seven seventy one uh barrier in a, a year and a half now. Um on that session on that session two we had Maria Daly. Um Possibly the spotlight uh, Spotlight was on her for 75s, uh, at least from us. Um, potential open contender, looks like the open contender right now in the 75-kilo weight class, and uh, Lori McCormick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Maria, she didn't have her best meet, but she had a really good meet. Um, I don't, I don't see her name yet on the Raw Nationals roster. I'm assuming she's going to sign up because really once she signs up, it's a three-way battle between her, uh, Jasmine Penn and Autumn Green. I mean, that's the three best, uh, 76 kilo lifters in the U.S. right now, um, in the USAPL side. Um, Maria's total, she hit 500. That doesn't quite, uh, show her strength on the day. She had already wrapped up, uh. On her opener, which she actually timed out on her opener somehow, came back, hit her opener, wait on the second. That secured the national championship for her, so they, they kinda yelled. The third and went up to 245, and it wasn't quite there. I'm sure she had something like 230, 235, which would have given her uh, 525 to 530 total, um, but still a fantastic meet from her. Lori McCormick is someone that we did not bring up. Um, I highlighted her plenty because she's from Purdue, and I'm fellow alum. I was going to talk about her plenty on the, on the live stream. Um, 473.5 total. Again, that's a very competitive open class. I mean, that's probably flirting with, like, Top 5, definitely top 10. So I think she, based on her, her, uh, I don't know. Actually, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if she plans to do Raw Nationals. And if she does, she, she might be a little bit better suited to do the, uh, the primetime session. I think she'd be very competitive in that. Uh, whereas Maria, I assume is going to go open, but, uh, yeah, those two kind of ran away with the show there that it wasn't a super competitive class in the sense of like head to head competition, but in the sense of totals, Maria and Lori were incredibly strong.
0: Yeah. I was just excited to see Maria lift because I don't even get to see Maria lift on Instagram because she doesn't post anything. So there's an element of mystery there of how she lifts and it was as good as advertised is just a gifted lifter. Just a fantastic gift to lift and you can see why she is going to be a major threat on the open level,
1: yeah, I mean she's young, only getting better um yeah i mean she's got we talked about her as uh one of the breakout stars of this year she's already a breakout star last year, but the sky's the limit for her mm-hmm. so
0: all right session three for the male side, I think we had some some big Big battles here. Ninety kilos, Taylor Castile, Aiden Raider, Jason Cambra, and Liam Newell. And that was so some of my favorite lifting took place in a ninety kilo weight class.
1: Yeah. If you're looking if you're just looking at straight totals and you see Taylor at seven ninety and Aiden at seven sixty two, I don't think that does it justice for that battle was. Because mm-hmm. that was close. Um Aiden, we talked about it. Uh, I don't think he'd deny that his training leading to this beat wasn't the best training he's had in his life, but it came together on Meet Day for him and more. Like, uh, it, 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 we thought, I, I, we thought Taylor was probably going to run away with this and 790 is about right where I thought Taylor was going to be. Um, but Aiden showed out, uh, 290 squat and then on that third deadlift, he just loaded it up. He loaded up 340. He took it for a ride, wasn't quite there. I mean, he probably had not too far away from that, maybe like 335. He probably had. Um but huge day for him. Um Jason Cambra, one of the most jacked guys at the meet, I had someone message me about him in particular about how jacked he was. Um seven fifty kilo total. And then Liam Newell, I think pulled from ninth in the fourth <laughs> because he pulled seven seventy seven. Yep. He pulled seven seventy seven.
0: Sevens all around. Yeah, that and was... then eight fifty five on a deadlift bar in the gym. He's He's nutty, and then also you're, he's one of those guys like, yeah, you're the deadlift Specialist. Like, you are the prototypical deadlift Specialist. But I like him, because I have a thing against Deadless Specialists, you know, like, I think it's self-deprecation, or like self-hatred, because I was one for such a long time. But like I always hate the guys who don't want to get better. He wants to get better at the other lifts. I talked to him after the meet, and it's like, yeah, we gotta, you know, improve my squat and bench, and he talked about plans on how he's gonna do that. I'm like, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you for not just relying on that pull. But that pull is so money. That was it was it was a it was a very nice, easy set I, I I don't know if he would consider it easy. It was a really nicely executed seven seventy seven.
1: That was one, if that was done at raw nationals that would have been the one of the craziest lifts but to do that at Collegiate, um that wasn't even close that was the most insane lift of the entire meet um one of the most insane lifts i've ever witnessed
0: yeah i was, can't
1: say in person because we were behind us we were behind a wall watching a screen yeah, we can't, but I that can't was say live we were insanity really, we
0: were watching the same live stream you guys were um but just with four monitors up, and maybe you guys had two on, uh, yeah. So it wasn't really live. I would have, lo- I mean, I would have loved to see that lift live. If I could pick one of the lifts, it's that one to see live in person because it was monumental. It was uh, beautifully executed. But um, yeah. And then he was able to go from ninth to fifth. Gotta love the deadlift specialist. But that battle between uh, Taylor and Aiden was a highlight for me. Taylor is a well put together lifter. It, his technique is on point. He's
1: jacked. He's, he's a, a big ninety. Yeah, he's a especially mountain. for mm-hmm. a collegiate lifter.
0: Yeah, he's put together. He's a you know he's a little, you know he's got that built different mentality. He's he's jacked. He's a mountain, and he's got great technique to go along with it. And he was able to execute on the meet day perfectly. Actually, big weekend for Alex Ono. Had a couple of lifters really come up there um, and put on a big show, and um, he was able to win that battle. And like you said, with 790 to 762, doesn't look like that close. Aiden, Aiden loaded what he needed to to possibly win, but also just with Aiden, that was, I mean, that was the best meet I've seen him do. And I've seen Aiden lift, you know, multiple times at meets, and that was his best performance. He was able to execute his lifts, he was able to go up a weight class and put a lot onto his total um I I, I mean and also I, I actually liked that he loaded 750 on the bar that's something I just like to see I was not confident he was gonna get it but I like to see him do that Aiden occasionally could yeah be we're like, talking on the live
1: Aiden, we were talking on the live stream that we figured he, he wasn't gonna go for it yeah. but he gave it a run more than I thought um, Aiden, yeah go Aiden, go big or go home
0: Aiden has a tendency to be a little bit conservative he's a very mature smart Lifter, but you know, sometimes I'm like I will like to see him get a little aggressive on things and you know, kind of get that, you know, kind of show that confidence out on the platform. And you know, I, I, I like what I saw there, but I'm excited to see the future for Taylor Castile. I'm I sometimes you can just tell with a lifter, I could tell with him,
1: he's got all well, the well, it'll be interesting. Things. with, I don't know if Aiden's doing it, I think Taylor's doing the prime time session. He would be the spoiler of the 82.5-kilo battle because I think he split. He was second overall. I think he split Chris Perez and Charvis oh. in the sense of dots. Um Taylor would be right up there for possibly winning that primetime session. Um, actually, I think Aiden's not doing raw nationals. I thought I saw something he put like 15 weeks out. I don't know what meat he's doing.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either. I know, because again, we, we talked about Aiden had a heat... He's busy. He's a busy guy and, you know, training and competing. Sometimes has to take a backseat to things. He trains at crazy hours. He has difficult training sessions because of it. So going to Vegas for a long period of time might not be the best thing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was in a different state. Aiden doesn't compete at this meet. It was in his home state. So it was easier. He He went to work the next day. He lives in the state. I didn't see him again. I've like that, and that means something. Like if you're in the state, I've seen a lot of people who are local to the Illinois powerlifting scene there multiple days. Aiden, I saw twice. That means he's busy. He has a lot of stuff to do. Like he had to go to work. So I I don't know currently how his life is work. How you know how he's balancing life, work, and school. If Vegas is a good idea. Because that's a difficult trip. Um, that's a difficult trip for a lot of these lifters. I mean, these junior lifters. It's a it's a hard one. So, um, still excited to see what he does in the future. Of course, love Aiden. We're a pro Aiden Raider podcast. Always have been. Always will be. We're also a pro Taylor Castile podcast as well.
1: No. Yeah, I was I was just really excited to see both of them do well. I know Aiden's had some tough meets, so it was awesome to see him really come out and show out. And
0: we're pro we're pro Aiden. Yeah. Pro uh, Taylor, but also anti James Cole. <laughs> Take that one. Yes. Roll, roll, roll All roll right. On, James.
1: So next weight class. Um, I don't really think we need to cover who won. We more just need to cover Matthew Weisberg, who unfortunately bombed out, but he was the <laughs> lifter of the meat. So that's really all we need to discuss, oh, and then we probably can end the podcast right there.
0: I, I still got to make my highlight reel of Matthew Weisberg. What a beaut that guy is. Um, people are requesting for him on the podcast. I don't know if I can handle that. Just we have to get someone in to, like, uh, mediate between the two. It was just, guys, go on the live stream, check out the platform. He was awesome to watch. Uh, it, was, it was just so so great the entire time. Got to watch those deadlift setups. Got to watch those squat setups. Got to watch the squat reactions. He's a, he's a coxman, that's for sure. But um, I actually do want to talk about the 100-kilo battle. In this entire All thing. right, if we have to.
1: I figure we just talk about Matt for the next hour. But I mean, if we about, have to talk about talk Evan Orlandi friend, and Jalen Falk, we will.
0: You got to talk about Tyler, your best friend. Tyler Orlandi.
1: I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he said uh, – so I didn't know that was Evan, and he introduced himself, and I could have sworn he said Tyler. <laughs> and so, yeah, I he called goes, him Tyler.
0: He comes up to me, he's like, uh Steve just called me Tyler. And I don't know how he could have gotten him to say except for Tyler. I'm like – I don't know. I was trying to think of another hundred kilo lifter whose name was Tyler that he could have possibly mistaken you for, but I don't I, was, know. I was I was buying
1: a vegan protein shake. He <laughs> said hi. I thought he said his name was Tyler, so I called him Tyler. I did I didn't even I, th- I didn't even realize that was Evan, because uh, I don't think I had I, I had paid attention enough to his actual face to, to be able to uh, have that recognition.
0: Yeah. But Evan Orlani uh, and uh Jalen Folk. Hundred kilo battle um this was one that was highlighted, and also, you know, it, it kind of got the interest of a lot of people, because Jalen is, is a phenom. Jalen's a phenom. He's 19 years old. He's jacked beyond belief. He has the numbers to go along with it. Yeah.
1: Looks like he's about to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft this year.
0: Uh, he's a first-round pick for the team game day. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, Team game day. Recruiting. Recruiting is going very well here at Team Game Day, or there in Austin. I'm head. i my headquarters in Houston, but yeah, he is. He's one of those guys. is built different. Um, got a lot of spotlight and powerlifting too. I think he ended up on Sports Center, House of Highlights. Those are big mainstream sports pages, so people are looking at him. But Evan Rolandi. Evan Orlandi is ridiculous. Evan Orlandi is one of the hardest workers I know. He is from Houston. He trains at Project Strength. He trains at Texas Elite as well in uh, Houston. He works so damn hard. And I know this because when I'm having my late night sessions at 11 o'clock, he's there. And he's putting in good work too. He does everything right. And also he's just so nonchalant about everything. His personality itself is very nonchalant, and then when he's on the platform, he's nonchalant. He executes lifts beautifully and puts himself in position to win, and now he's starting to... It's one thing to execute, but now he's getting into heavier weight class, but also the lifts are coming along with it, and he's handling the lifts. He's able to handle the heavier loads now, and... From Texas Barbell Syndicate to now, I've seen incredible improvement. Him and Walid are doing fantastic work together. I cannot wait to see what he does next, because it just seems to be con- continuous progression and really just like a like yeah whatever. Just went nine for nine again. Pulled seven forty four, I think, on his on his last pull, and it's kind of you know yeah. And and the only one showing emotions, Kyle. Kyle's sitting there punching people in the stomach in the back, like, body slamming people, like, choke slamming everyone in the back because he has the height to actually choke slam people. And Evan's just kind of like, all right, calm down. <laughs> I, got, I got two other deadlifts I got to execute before that.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those battles, I'll say this is like, like tailored Aiden, where I think it's 22 and a half kilos difference, but it was a lot closer than that. Um uh I think Evan... J- Jalen loaded up 15 kilos into his third attempt. I can't remember how tough that was. He didn't need that much. I mean, obviously, Evan probably still would have pulled it. He didn't need that much, though. I think maybe he was thinking he needed to do that maybe to push Evan. Um, but Jalen was in it all the way into that third attempt. Um, and then once he missed that, Tyler had it wrapped up. I'm going to keep calling you Tyler on purpose. Tyler had it wrapped <laughs> You're up. You're
0: confuse me. Put on 340. 40- 40- That's going to seem so confusing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Continue.
1: Uh, but yeah, Tyler had it wrapped up after that second attempt. He had 7.82 and a half and Jalen was at 7.77.5. So Tyler and Kyle, they loaded up three. <laughs> I'm going to start laughing doing it. I, I don't think I can do it's it without so laughing. It's so hard. Yeah, it's kay. so hard. It's Evan,
0: hard
1: to do. Evan, uh, yeah, loaded up 3.45, which was just a freaking huge pull and crushed it. 800 kilo total. He's got like three kilos to build into this weight class two body weight, um, yeah, he's just an impressive lifter, Very, incredibly impressive. Oh yeah, I misspoke. It um, says seven forty
0: four deadlift. He had a seven sixty two deadlift. I right? think.
1: Yeah, seven sixty two. Yeah, I misspoke. Or seven forty four. Th- yeah. Um, he's one of the people that I think. If I'm just going to straight say it, I don't think many people knew about him if it wasn't for two white lights leading in this meet, and they probably would have just thought Jalen Falk was running away because Evans not really like a he doesn't he doesn't have a, a like. I don't feel like he's trying to go for the social media clout. Like you said, he's just kind of a low-key guy. Um, but I don't think anyone's gonna underestimate him now.
0: No, no, I don't think so. And um I'm really I'm really looking forward to see what he does next because of how well he's been doing. I remember when he was a I think he was in eighty three. I remember that I think Kyle sent him into a um a group chat and was like, man, this guy's progressing pretty well, and I looked, I'm like, Yeah, he's got some solid numbers. Then he was in ninety-three and you know numbers went from there now he's 100 and numbers are going up from there that's like it's so anti college lifter too who's just like willing to go up weight classes just so they can get stronger and good lord how he's gotten stronger since the first time yes, I
1: I'm him. looking now in 2017 he had a 392 and a half kilo total at 83 and then he just hit an 80 kilo total at 96 yeah that's pretty good Yep. That's pretty good.
0: Yep, solid progression there. And
1: that, that's probably why he's probably why he's gotten drug tested in his last 5 meets every single time.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, I think his drug test <laughs> I think his drug test uh, is framed in the bathroom at Project Strength.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm they, i am just looking I have his USAPL database pulled up and he's been drug tested in the last 5 yeah, meets. So that's kind him. of warranted because of his progression. Like the whole point is to catch people progressing so fast that they might be cheaters. Well, his progression looks like he could be on that level, but he, he's obviously not cheating. I'm just mm-hmm. we're messing around on that part. But, yeah, crazy progression from him.
0: Yeah. Um, and then
1: Jalen Falk, uh, no, then yeah, he, he will about, be doing well, – yeah, I am very excited see. to see him working.
0: Yeah, talk about what we want to see for the future. Like, people who want to see progress into the future. That guy, because he's so young and so strong, he – has a incredibly bright future. And like you were about to say, I think I beat you to it. He's under Joe Stanek now, and Joe Stanek uh, does well with lifters. I don't know what else to say. Does well with him. Does well with yeah. gifted lifters.
1: I'll, I'll be excited to probably see a little increase, increase uh, bench frequency <laughs> and volume out of Jalen. That's probably a little bit more individualized, and I expect him to just – I. I I think it's going to be scary what he's probably going to do in the next year. It's, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he's he's nutty. He's just absolutely insane.
0: Yeah, watch out t- t, uh, watch out, craftsmanship. Game day's coming. They're recruiting. They're recruiting hard, too. So, it was. Uh, Joe does that, by the way. If I look at every big meet, he's landed one person, like one person who has a lot of potential but might not be getting the best coaching. 2019 with me, who is very clearly not getting any coaching. Lane Ordenug, you, you were Lane Ordenug existed until uh, that day. Well,
1: I think that might be a lot of other athletes that their <laughs> coach might not know they exist either, and they're getting programming.
0: Yeah, very true. I'm not saying that about Lane. <laughs> That's a joke. I did an online program, but Joe got me after 2019 nationals. Then in this uh, this prior nationals, Austin Perkins was a uh, game day athlete. And now you have Jalen Falk. I mean, and uh, none of it's and none of that's just seeing someone who needs coaching and, and getting them coaching. Yeah. Like this wasn't a thing. Like, oh yeah, you know, I was with this person, but this guy talked me into it. No, those are people who needed coaching. That's all that was. That's that's uh, and I gotta respect them for it. So. Yeah, that 100-kilo battle was great. Josh Hall, um, not highlighted. I just want to bring up that he was very Trey Ricard-esque. Missed his first two openers. Comes back and hits it on his third. Insane. Just had to slow his pull down, and he was able to get it. Very similar to Trey. And that was a big pull on top of that. I think it was seven, what? What did Josh Hall pull? I want to say. It was 330. 330? Yeah, so that's, um, that's
1: 727? Yes.
0: So, big shout-out there. He's a Houston guy. That's my second home, minus Illinois. So, yeah. Um, Then you have Collegiate's Tuesday, which I think I was out of the building a lot on Tuesday because I think I needed to sleep and deadlift. But in that day, the big, big lifter was uh, Leila Soto.
1: Yeah, we talked about her, Alicia, and Kylie being in that battle for 82 and a half. Now, Alicia and Kylie had great meets, but it didn't really matter because um, Layla just dominated. Um, 502, 500.5 kilo total, 203 kilo squat. Um, yeah, I mean, just huge mass day from Layla there. Incredibly impressive. Her squat really didn't look that hard. Um, she's If you see her squat, you can just know she's just kind of built a squat. I mean, just absolute beast.
0: Mm-hmm. Go to A&M as well. Yep. Yep, AM. AM's got themselves a solid team going, too. It was really cool listening to uh, lifting with uh, AM in Hawaii, also at Surge. That was another thing that I failed to bring up at the beginning of the show, just lifting with all the collegiate teams like throughout the week. That was a really uh, great part of it. And, yeah, A&M was there. I got to see two national champions lift in person with uh, Layla and Jessica as well. And also uh, uh, Team Hawaii on that uh, on, on that day, including. Um, yeah, uh, and then also that day we had Alexis Jones. Um, someone we talked about a lot on Two White Lights throughout because she just kind of I think we're kind of looking at a potential just to dominate here for a while from Alexis.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's not – she's another person that's not just competitive. I mean, it's not – it wasn't even actually competitive. I mean, she won – she won by 102 kilos. Mm -hmm. 102. Uh, Now, I know Bonica didn't necessarily go all out at PA Nationals, but I believe Alexis totaled more than her.
0: yeah. I mean, it's up. I mean, but, uh, and uh, I'm going
1: to tell you straight up, Alexis didn't look like she went out all out either. Uh-huh. She looked like she had some to take. I honestly think she could she could possibly total six sixty. And if she could total six sixty, she could possibly be the best hundred plus kilo lifter in the world.
0: Yeah, we talked about. I mean, we talked about that on the um, Raw Nationals preview last year. Where if there's someone we could pick, it would probably be Alexis right now because she's young, polished lifter. Knows what she's doing in competition. Can't have herself an excellent meet. Bonica's a legend. Very hard to beat her. Dominates the weight class. If there's anyone, I will take the young one to uh, eventually dethrone Bonica.
1: And I'll, I'll correct myself. Bonica won or out-totaled Alexis by one pound. Ah. So I think Bonica had a chip. Ah. One pound. So, again, the, the fact is Alexis... Um, is incredible. And like I said, I think Bonica had more in the tank at P- PLA Nationals. Uh, Alexis had more in the tank here. That's honestly a battle I'd really, really like to see. Um, cause, uh, I think there's a couple people on the USAPL side that Alexis could battle with, but I'm not sure it's going to be that close. I think she's, I mean, yeah. it's not about, it's, it's more about what she can do. It's kind of like an Amanda Lawrence situation. Amanda Lawrence never had a battle and really, it's more about like what is her ceiling and Alexis Jones's ceiling seems incredibly high right now.
0: I, I agree with you 100% there. Um so it was about 110 uh 110 kilo weight class uh, on uh, on that day as well. We had some pretty uh yep. uh high level lifters there. Uh Tyler Wilson, uh Jeremy Orm, uh Justin Allenby, Brock uh, Matt, I had his name right. What is it? Wetslich? Wetslich? Wetslich. Uh Brock Westlich and Ryan Dangler. Yeah, I
1: mean that Tyler kind of had that class under uh, – was pretty secure throughout the meet. Uh, now, if he slipped up at all, he could have opened the door because Jeremy had a fantastic meet and I think was probably even closer than we thought he'd be. Um, but Tyler just executed perfect. I think he was 9 for 9. Let me look that up. I'm, I'm 95% sure he was 9 for 9. Um, yep, yeah, 9 for 9 on the meet. So it really just never really opened the door for anyone else. But there was a really good battle there between uh, Jeremy, Justin, Brock, Carter, and then Ryan Dangler had a perfect meet. He's in a different flight. So he, it's kind of a similar to like the Kevin Garrett situation. He kind of already set kind of like the standard of the, the numbers and they can kind of pull, uh, Carter, Brock and Justin and Jeremy got to kind of pull from there. Um, but yeah, Justin pulled into third. Jeremy pretty much had it wrapped up, but really good performances from all of them. But Tyler really was kind of a, the standout, standout performer in that hundred and two class.
0: Yeah. And also on uh, session three, we had Jordan Sprentz and Dakota Troll. 125 yeah,
1: kilo uh, that was that was a decently close battle. Um, Jordan, I, for the most part, I think was looking like Dakota. had I, I didn't watch this neither did you, but I got, I got a, I, I looked a little bit to kind of see kind of how it went. Dakota, three hundred forty kilo squat,
0: <laughs>
1: but then Jordan, three hundred fifty kilo deadlift. They literally flip flopped uh not even that either of them have a bad deadlift or a bad squat going the opposite way but it was like the tale of two tapes is that Dakota really subtotaled the crap out of Jordan but then Jordan came back and then pulled for the win on his uh actually let's see actually he didn't need to pull for the win on his third he pulled into first place based off a of body weight on his mm-hmm. second attempt Dakota tried to go up 10 kilos and missed his third, and so then Jordan just loaded up 350, hit that, kind of expanded his lead, and took <laughs> home that national title.
0: Yeah, uh, compelling battle there for sure. And, yeah, very interesting with how, like, the differences between those two lifters. Um, I love the battle. The rivalry is oldest time. The subtotal specialist versus the deadlift specialist. Yep. It's, um... Yeah,
1: big day... Big Shout victory. out McKendry powerlifting, Jordan from McKendry. So yeah.
0: big victory, yeah. And also just uh big victory for the Deadlift specialist that week as well. A lot of Deadlift specialists were yeah. getting themselves in there as far as the subtotal. That's like uh it's like giving a little uh, fist bump under the table there. Um all right. That does it for collegiate nationals at least on the session. Well, I'll do it and I'll do a quick yeah, I was Tuesday breakdown
1: real quick. Just a couple oh, more.
0: Tuesday? Okay.
1: Yeah, we don't need to break him down. I just want to get some shout outs. Okay. Uh, Reese Dunn, 90 kilo female winner. She had a fantastic day. 100 kilo McKenna Henderson, um, 140 kilo male Caleb Bicknell. Um, he was able to outduel Gabriel Cervantes and Shane Saylor. That was a pretty close battle. And then 140 plus, we had Travis Schaus, um, taking home the national championship. But, uh, yeah, that, go ahead. Now that kind of concludes our collegiates wrap up.
0: Yeah, well, um, I mean, we're going to go on to the equip side of things of uh, some of the standouts. Uh, but I, I think with the, uh, actually, we might have to do a separate podcast with John Downing about the, uh, and the announcements uh, how it's going to be more team based from my understanding.
1: Well, we, we just need to have him on to one, talk about the possible announcements. I think that would be a good thing. And then two, just talk about how he structures coaching with, uh, Ohio state. Cause I've heard a little bit about it. And I think that's a really good thing to kind of talk to them about how we kind of structured the club programming. And I think that could be a good coach to coach interaction and kind of go deep in there as well as talk about kind of the, the, uh, uh, the announcements, the proposals that are coming with, uh, collegious next year.
0: Yeah. And also another shout out to, uh, Ohio state university who made me take a picture of them and then made it very clear that they did not want a picture with me. They wanted me to take the picture of them and then asked me for some good, uh, places to get a beer in wow. Lombard. So, big shout out to Ohio State. Very, uh. Thank you for the troll, Ohio yeah, State. Gotta love it. Very John
1: Hack esque. Yeah, John Hack there. Gotta
0: love it. No, I, I, I appreciated it too. I'm like, yeah, that was, that's my good college humor there. Uh, but, um, equip standouts. Um, so you made the point here on the, uh, the notes here. Equip powerlifting actually, is it, I think it's more entertaining on the collegiate side as opposed to when you see it at percent, and the Arnold. Like, 100%. It actually it was, it makes more sense there. You know, like it makes more sense as far as the team aspect and the competitiveness goes.
1: I think it's something ridiculous. Like 90% of equip lifters are in the collegiate level. Um, obviously, that was the first time we really ever commentated equipped, and it was fun because – at any given point, they were either going to smoke it or possibly die. Um, it was one of the two. There was right, kind of no in between. Didn't, uh,
0: didn't uh, one of the listeners, of UTSA, go in the emergency room for the, wa- the water cut? I don't know if I'm getting this right. This might be bad journalism. I had to, my phone's about to die. So I I'm don't know. That. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, but like a lot of. But yeah,
1: it was super fun watching it because. There were so many times, like, the person that was, like, way out in front, like, either bombed out or, like, barely hit a third attempt after missing their first two. I, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and, yes, when I was looking at it, if you're taking the men and women, top-dot scores from collegiates, and putting them in the Arnold, it's actually probably a better meet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I I actually like – I'm not saying I don't enjoy watching single play lifting, but it's just there's a time and place for it. The Arnold, it's like – they don't necessarily need to be included in this particular meet. It's a, it, or it's got to be completely separated yeah, from everything, just else. like
1: they don't. They just, just frankly, this again, this isn't anything as single ply. They probably don't need to be in prime time at nationals, but collegiate was fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to watch them. Yeah, because um, we had weight class battles, uh, a lot of fantastic lifting. It was a lot of fun, and that's where like we don't hate single ply. We talk crap on it a lot because unfortunately i feel like on the open side they get privileged with things that they don't quite deserve on the collegiate side um they show out and they deserve the stage because the weight class depth the competitiveness the number of people competing uh the quality of lifters is incredible
0: yeah i i was impressed uh watching them throughout the day um and all, i mean all the i i mean all the sessions really there was of course an equipped um like flights or a couple quick lifts are thrown in there. And it was cool to see. Because um, you do see the sport kind of take place. Uh, or you see the differences in the sport, right? You see how nothing's a given. You see some strategy, too. How they take some of their benches raw. And then they get the shirt on because they want to save either a record. Or they want to make sure they get a total in because they don't know if they're going to bomb out. Or they're going to not going to know if they could, you know, get a uh, solid bench in with a shirt. Um yeah, that was uh a new experience for me and I know you as well, so some of the some of the breakout ones, you have Jeremiah at the top.
1: Yeah. Jeremiah Mangiara Cena. Um <laughs> If you didn't watch it <laughs> I I ha-
0: <sighs> Okay. Was he throwing us? Was 50- he throwing th- us? I, he had to have been. Or he was, That's actually, why I'm, or I'm, he was oh, actually hurt, like because I saw a 25-kilo first attempt for squat and bench. No,
1: 20, 20 kilos. Oh, yeah, 20
0: kilos. He, yeah, that he was did crazy. a
1: 20. He did it all raw, too, no equipment. He did a 20-kilo squat opener and then passed on his next two. He did a 20-kilo bench opener, passed on his next two. And then I think he did something like a 40, 80, and 120 deadlift attempts. And because he was the only person in the 52-kilo class... He was your national champion.
0: Yeah. He flexed on the crowd too. And I was sitting there like, well, that's why
1: I think he was trolling because he was, he was like kind of playing it up at the end. Uh, again, I don't know if he was hurt. Maybe he was hurt, but it seemed kind of like
0: it was because everyone was messaging me like, yo, you see this? And I'm like, I don't really know how to react on the commentary side. So I'm just going to not say a whole lot here. And also you just don't know the backstory around certain things. I know you were, you were trying to get me, you know, Giggling and someone over my words while we were commentating that, but uh yeah, it was.
1: So he, here's on. Okay, it, you were right. It was 25 kilo first and second. Oh, okay. I'm throwing out a possibility, and again, Jeremiah, if you listen or someone knows this, reach out and correct us because again, like if you're looking at this, it's <laughs> it's pretty weird. I mean, it's a, you lifted the bar twice. Raw, he was from University of Louisiana Lafayette, yeah. Raging Cajuns. They were going for team points. I honestly wonder if they just found someone who fit in <laughs> class and had them just no. lift to get the first place points. I honestly wonder if that's a possibility, I and I want someone to reach out and I tell me if that's true or not. Well,
0: we have some people from Louisiana Lafayette who do listen to the show. Um, I don't think that. I don't think that happened. I, I think my scenario is more likely where the person just hurt, but also. The person just hurt, they do the bar, they attempt it, and they get the team points. Like, I think those two fit in. Like, okay, well, you know, you can still get your team points because we have the easy thing. I guess this is the only time I'm being the glass half-full guy, right? Where I, I'm
1: just, I'm putting out the theories. Okay. I, I just like to know what actually happened. Because we were sitting there, like, staring at each other, like, what's what's going on here? Because, yeah. yes, if he's injured, that really sucks. Um, happy he was still able to do the meet. But... By the way, he was celebrating. It made me think that and the fact that he did, I don't know. It, it, it yeah, seemed thought, like there was, it wasn't. I thought, I'm like, I'm like, oh, God, oh
0: God, this, this, this jokester just flexed on, this flexed on us. Um, I, that's exactly what I thought, but hey, we'll find out, we'll find out eventually. All right.
1: But talking about some standout performers of like, big lists. Uh C.J. Shufford in the 67.5-kilo division, he won overall, barely over Preston Savoy, who was the most jacked person at all of collegiate nationals.
0: Preston Savoy. Who is
1: now going raw. Yeah. And he has told us that he can squat and deadlift just as much raw as an equipment, apparently. He kind of
0: looked that way, too. He didn't... Cause that was the lifter I... was. I mean, of course, like you're going to notice that type of lifter. Just jacked as all hell. Um... Big numbers too, big big numbers, big bent and squat, like really really impressive subtotal there. And I was looking just him in his squat, like he doesn't seem to be one of those equipped lifters that just is really trying to groove into the suit and his knee wraps. He seems pretty comfortable and mobile in them. So like well, I could I could I can only as well, assume I'm gonna, I can only assume he's going to. I'm going to say something. I can I'll
1: say something I noticed about equipped and hate on me if you like equipped people but if you're looking at weight class lean muscle mass of equipped lifters at collegiate nationals versus raw there was a pretty notable difference mm-hmm. except for Preston. Yeah.
0: Um
1: P- Preston because it goes back raw is the best raw lifters typically have the highest total lean muscle tissue in their weight classes the best ones. Um on the equipped side, that doesn't necessarily seem 100% true because there's a lot more that goes into it in the sense of, like, technique and understanding the shirts and the suits and all that kind of stuff. Preston, though, is someone that you say immediately, like, yeah, he's going to come over and he's already filled out his weight class and muscularity. Um, he just, he looks, to me, more like a raw lifter.
0: Yeah. Um, agreed. Definitely. And, yeah, his squat looked like a raw squat, you know. And I'm excited. I I was, you know... You know, doing that whole, just rub my hands together, like yes, yes. When he said he, when I saw him after the meeting, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna go raw. I'm like, yes, all right. We got another big angry heavy hitter in that weight class, another raw lifter, and um, yeah, he. That's uh, that subtotal you just can't lie on. So I'm, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to see his his raw meets coming forward. I think it's gonna be a mega nets. He's competing at RAW, so
1: yeah, yep, yep, yeah. A couple other standout lifters going the female side. So- well, uh, to finish out the men, kind of just people I know to, Brandon Carballo and Seth Ruff. Seth Ruff has some really good meets. Again, though, we get uh, the quip was deep. Like it was,
0: it was very. When you're good.
1: looking at like the op- if you're looking at the open division, there's only like a handful of people with a 500 plus dots in the in the collegiate division. It was deep. I think it went like, plus lifters deep of 500-plus dots. It was very competitive. But going on the female side, arguably one of the most impressive lifters of the meet, regardless of raw, equipped, male, female, Angelita Batige. We already mentioned her. She was a teen lifter and placed first overall on dots for the equipped women.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: 556 dots. Yep, That would have won the Arnold.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that, uh yeah, you, I mean, we talked about the initial part of the show, just a the phenom there. And, uh, Bella Fargus there too, University of Texas. Bit of a rough meet from her, but able to get out enough lifts there. And I think he was still second only. That's one of the
1: things, that was one of the things with equip though. Is sometimes the rough meet was actually a good meet because we I mean, like, uh, it, this is, not, that's something we had to know from seeing this meet, but equip lifters don't usually go nine for nine. That's, that's kind of a rarity. Um, so it's hard to even, I almost kind of, it's hard to even know sometimes if this was like a good meet or a bad meet for some lifters because I almost wonder if they had, Sometimes they almost take that second attempt on their – or the third attempt on their second, knowing that they need a couple shots at it in case they misgrew the suit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be my novice takes on Equipped. I don't know if Bella was satisfied with her meet or not, but she had herself a national championship win. Definitely helped University of Texas uh, as far as points go. And also I think second overall um, looks like based on, I don't know, could be a few story posts that she's going to do the junior primetime.
1: Yep, uh, we got rounded out. Megan Schroeder, Alexis McCarthy, Skyly Sears. Uh, again, all of them five hundred plus dots. All of them, if you put them in the Arnold, would have been ex- exceptionally competitive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, even though we aren't equipped, people, uh, I, that was a lot of fun for me. That was that was incredibly enjoyable to watch. Um, because we actually saw, like, depth in the equipped divisions and good battles and stuff like that, and that was it was a lot of fun being able to kind of uh, experience that.
0: Yeah, not just some randomly placed into the RAW. You know, like, that's where yes. it's it, – it actually it, – it helps the sport when you do that. I'm actually wondering, because I was about to say, I think we kind of lost uh, our path there. Um, with the potential announcements that are coming, I think they're going to go towards more of a team-based structure for Collegiate Nationals. Yep. That will definitely be a great way to cover Collegiate Nationals next year when we do a recap Just talk about team performances as opposed to the sessions where we're just fighting to get people recognized here.
1: See if they ever put up the final team scores here. Okay, yes. So let's cover them real quick. I've got them. Okay, cool. Uh, Equ- equipped women midland university first place um second place uh university of louisiana lafayette and then third place northeastern i think northeastern is the college that i did not know about and and really had a huge team and had amazing support
0: mm-hmm. so yeah big equipped um, big equipped team too
1: equipped men Midland University, they won as well. This was super close, though. I honestly don't know. I assume the tiebreaker was total dots points because they have that in there. They tied UTSA, but came out on top, I think, based off of that dots. And then in third place, we had the Raging Cajuns, University of Lafayette, uh, Louisiana, La- U- Louisiana Lafayette. And in fourth place, another college that I didn't know existed that had a huge uh, group there, Blue Mountain College. And oh, or yeah. like we have to say Blue Mountain State.
0: Yeah, Blue Mountain State, Blue Mountain College. Uh they had a lot I think Louisiana Lafayette and Blue Mountain College both only have equipped teams. So that's what Preston was telling me. Yes. I, think, I don't know about Blue Mountain College. And
1: nor- and, sure. and Northeastern. Uh-huh. Northeastern was equipped only, it looked like too. Um Raw women, Midland University won it, um by a pretty good margin. Second plus second place Texas A and M, and then third, uh Ohio State University. Honestly, I don't think any surprises there. Those were the three teams that were really stacked on the uh the raw side um and then on the raw men and midiversity again wins ohio state pretty close they were pretty close to midland only a couple points behind and then uh third place university of texas at austin
0: yeah um yeah hoping to see uh see those uh teams get a little bit balanced and I actually think we're on this way because Midland had a you know still relatively strong stranglehold on the collegiate powerlifting scene but hoping to see more uh, Texas program or um collegiate programs kind of challenge them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that next year that might happen because to an extent well we'll talk about it when we get John on hopefully there's going to be a cap on how many lifters you can take now.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I do like what they. uh What the suggestions that I've heard. Um I wasn't able to attend that meeting because I had the lift. Kyle actually messaged me. He's like, "Hey, do you want the notes from that meeting?" I'm like, "Fuck today." Like, I didn't know. I thought. It was, I thought it was like the NGB where it's at the very very end of nationals. Like you go after nationals is over. It's, it wasn't that. It was during the week. Um yeah, I, I I I do like the structure though. I think the aspect of it being more of a team event as opposed to an individual event is cool. It's good for powerlifting, and it provides another it, it provides another interest in powerlifting, and it has another dimension yep. to it.
1: Only if, and this is only we'll talk to John about. The other caveat is that juniors is no longer the proposal. Again, this has to go to the executive board and be be approved. Juniors would no longer be a part of this meet. They would go to their own separate meet. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we can't just put them back at Raw Nationals.
0: Yeah, just that's put them back. Thinking. Especially because everyone, everyone wants that. Even the everyone wants that. The specific thing of junior though is kind of like eh, to me now is because we don't. This is where it makes sense to go PLA. If I'm if you're that much of a junior lifter, you would want to compete at Junior Worlds. Like it's. I mean, hey, PLA, here's some marketing for you. We don't hate you completely.
1: Well, I mean, I pretty much look at it as you're either collegiate or you're open.
0: Except, well, that's me too. That's how I wanted it. Like, yes, I yes, would yes, like for you, you to be on a team. If you're if you're a collegiate lifter, I would like for you to be on a team and you'll be considered a junior. But junior like if you're competing in the junior spots, like, oh, you're a junior national champion, it's like you're lost in the fray of all of those open lifters, and it really doesn't have that much of a title unless you go to Worlds. You know, like, it's just kind of the reality. I don't want to lose the junior division, but that's kind of what it is. I would, like what you said, I would like the junior division to be 8'3 through 22, and you're a collegiate lifter. And you compete collegiately. That's where your age actually matters. Like, so, twenty, like again, like, 23-year-olds... Competing for junior national champions, like, you should be in the open when you're 23. Come on.
1: I agree. It sounds like they're not going to go that route. They're going to keep them separate. And if they are, juniors should just be in open nationals. And there's a collegiate division, so you can be the junior national champion, but you're competing in the open. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. But you got anything else that you uh, want to wrap up here well, with I think collegiates? Did, or? I think
0: we did a great job of doing this in two hours. I don't yeah, know how, that was
1: that was that was better than I thought.
0: I don't know how the hell I'm gonna do timestamps for this one. I might not do it. But like, hey, you guys love our show so much, listen to it all. We'll mention your name at a point, probably. <laughs> Just yeah. I don't know how I'm gonna do timestamps. Go. I can't listen to this two hours. I'm I'm really like I'm at a point in there. I'm like I gotta take a break from talking for two hours straight and also about powerlifting for two hours straight. We need to do you know a podcast say, on uh, opening uh, – we could do a time um, – we should do a podcast on opening day just so I can get my mind off powerlifting for a little bit. What's your time uh, On opening day of Cubs yeah, baseball. losing no, I'm again? Saying, I'm saying baseball. Got it. Placing the Brewers. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> you suck. Fucking Cardinals.
1: So what you should timestamp and probably needs to be a forte of every uh, two at podcast moving on, because this is what the people want. So timestamp at the two hour and two minute mark, whatever it is, it's time for Steve after dark. I guess it would be appropriate for the listeners time. get what they really want. I don't know if they're going to be able to hear me in the same manner it since it I'm not on that yeah. crystal clear mic. No, it doesn't work.
0: It, it's not, I'm not as uncomfortable. As it was the previous time, so I don't think it's working.
1: Yeah, because I wasn't able to, I'm not able to rub your leg right now.
0: Yeah, that was also part of it, too. You guys don't get to see the weird shit Steve was doing while he was doing to Steve after Dark Voice.
1: Y'all don't realize how weird I am. Yeah. I'm I'm all toned down and all professional, and
0: then I get in person. It was a major hit. It was a major hit with people. People. I I don't know what kind of people it was a hit with, but it was a hit with people.
1: Hey, everyone's got their fetish, and some people like Steve After Dark.
0: Yeah, I mean, we need we need money, we need content, so we've got, I guess we got to make an OnlyFans account, make an After Dark, and it's really just you interviewing powerlifters in that voice and in that voice only, and we'll actually make bets on how quick they exit the Zoom call because they're so uncomfortable. That'll be, that'll be that'll be that'll be the, that'll be the entire. We episode.
1: have to do it too. That they think they're coming on two white lights, and they don't know it's the after dark special.
0: Oh yeah, that'll be they great. Have to.
1: <laughs> yes, and I'll need to get since it's on Zoom. I'll need to get a special like attire that's like a tuxedo, and then I'll need to slick back my hair.
0: Yo, you gotta wear the uh the Hugh Hefner smoking robe.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. That. Got it.
0: You gotta wear the Hugh Hefner smoking robe, and then you you invite. Let's start off with guys first, just to make sure we don't get canceled upon this.
1: Well, again, I'm saying the same thing idea. I said the other one. I don't think I could do women because I love my wife, and there's certain things that she probably would not hey. want me doing, including doing after-dark specials with female powerlifters.
0: Well, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, you posing the questions, and it, it could only be about powerlifting. You can't, like, do your after-voice or after-dark voice, and do it about something that's appropriate to your after dark voice. It's got to be only so Angelo. Owned. Yeah, yeah. Like he has to go. That when point. you were
1: at the Virginia Pro. <laughs> oh my god! When you put on that three hundred and fifty kilos on your third, what was going through your oh, head?
0: Okay, yep. We're like in the
1: day. inner depths of this your mind. Sad. What was going through your this head? Is going to be the end Tell of me this. the secrets. This Tell is, me the secrets, Angelo.
0: This is going to be. You're sounding kind of really <laughs> now. You definitely are. You you definitely have a different way of doing this not being on the microphone. You sounded like uh if you guys remember Q one oh one, they had the hotline at like uh or something like the Love Line.
1: Mank was it is that back in the man cow days?
0: Uh no, it was it was post Man Cow days. It was Doctor Drew was on it. So like you sounded more like Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you sound- was it
1: Doctor Drew and then the guy from the man show?
0: Yeah, something like that. I I don't know. But I just yeah, it was it was there was Jimmy here. Kimmel
1: and then the other guy and the other guy went with Dr. Drew and did the late night like hour show on Q101.
0: Adam Carolla? Yeah,
1: yeah. It was yeah, Adam Carolla.
0: Yeah, by the way, we lost all of our listeners right at this point because you have to be in Chicago to understand this reference. You have to listen to Q101 after 10 p.m. and also you have to be RA. <laughs> so so no one at this point like what the fuck are these two boomers talking about? But yeah, you your your voice in microphone sounds different from this one. And also, I don't think I could ever do that interview with you because I would just leave. That would be, I got incredibly uncomfortable. I'll,
1: so. I'll do it with Garrett Fear. He'd be down. Yeah. Oh, I don't, he, want, he'd I don't get weird want, with yeah, me. He
0: would get weird with it, and then he would probably one-up you.
1: Yeah, I might get uncomfortable. He'd probably get naked.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't want to play those games with Garrett.
1: Hey, do you know how much money we'd make off of that,
0: though? An amount, an amount for sure, that we could actually use to pay for employees.
1: I mean, Garrett did that whole comedy skit about looking at his own butthole. He's probably down to give a peek for OnlyFans.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, he's down for it. We, we know that. But All right, got to cut this podcast. It's over two hours, two hours and 11 minutes. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for bearing with us uh, throughout this, you know, the recap. I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. Um, well, with uh, the organized structure of Collegiate Nationals next year, hopefully we can get out to you in a quicker time, but also a uh, a little bit more of an organized uh, fashion as well. Um, we'll see you guys very soon. Guest and episode to be determined, but the powerlifting news cycle is always turning. So see yeah, you guys. I'll, I'll give
1: I'll give a quick little breakdown. Hopefully John Downing. Then we've got our weight class bracket championship for uh, USAPL Nationals, and I think we plan to bring back IPF World's Fantasy Draft.
0: Yeah, we're going to do all that like simultaneously because they're at the same fucking time. So, Yep,
1: that's not any fun. I'm not a fan of that.
0: Nope, nope. Um, at first I was like, ah, okay, I don't care about these coaches who have to do it, but now I'm like, shit, content forgot about content, because IPF Worlds is going to be awesome. Those battles yeah. that are shaping up are going to be awesome. So, yeah, we have to cover both. And we're going to be at one, not the other. So, yeah. Hey, we did Powerlifting America and this, right? Hardest working mm-hmm. podcast in the game. Hardest working podcast in the game. The most busy podcast. And the most controversial. And the best looking I'll agree with all three. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.